This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The opinion line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. So they told us a few weeks ago that if you had been paid the PUP from the start of the pandemic, when you went back to work, that you could have four years to pay back the bit of tax you owe on it. And you know what? People didn't like to pay the tax on it, but when it was explained to them by an expert, they said, all right, look, we'll sign up for it and we'll put, give it back to them over a couple of years. Now they want it all back this year. Like, what changed? And, and why didn't they tell us they were going to change it? And what are they playing at? That's going to be very hard on people who lost out on nearly a year's employment last year and got their PUP and look, some people put it away, some people didn't but they're now faced with a tax bill and just as they're coming to terms with the fact that they could expect a tax bill this now is landed upon them that well, we might want it all in one go I'd love to know what the rationale, we know what the rationale is forget that, get the money in and get it in fast but it's hardly fair to people Good morning, 1850 996. The number, the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Later this morning and a couple of times during the morning, I'll be remem- remembering my colleague and my friend of many, many years standing, Ted Dunn, who passed away last evening. We will be uh, we were talking about Ted during the course of the morning. But I, I want to go first to our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran, because there was a particularly harrowing court case Yesterday, the case of Jonathan O'Driscoll. 13 years he got for an unprovoked assault on a 75-year-old man who was in hospital for nearly a year. He set upon him in a car park and literally stamped and danced on his head and left him with permanent injury to the point where, I believe, Fiona, the man now requires nursing home care. Good morning to you. That's right, PJ. Good morning. This is a case of um, Christy O'Callaghan was the 75-year-old man in the case and Jonathan O'Driscoll, 31-year-old man from McCroom, was the defendant in the case. And you might remember, PJ, when this attack happened back in March 2019 and we had heard about this elderly man. He was a greyhound trainer in his day and very involved with greyhounds and um, he had suffered this 
vicious assault in the car park in McCroom, just behind the Dunn stores in McCroom. And um, the, the the man, Chris O'Callaghan, as you said, was in a coma in hospital for a long time and spent 11 months in hospital. And we heard details of the case yesterday and we heard that um, Christy O'Callaghan had been with his partner for the day and they had had a nice day out. And he had arrived back at McCroom in his van and was parked in that car park and had contacted his partner to say that he had arrived back in McCroom safely. And minutes later, Jonathan O'Driscoll came up to his van, pulled him out of the van. Um, he did get into the van, first of all, and started searching around the front. And as he did that, Christy O'Callaghan kind of shuffled away. But when Jonathan O'Driscoll got out, he ran after him and he uh, proceeded to beat and kick him repeatedly. And we heard that while Christy O'Callaghan was lying defensively on the ground in a, in a lifeless position, he stomped on his head four times. And the attack lasted for 14 minutes. So it was a prolonged attack on a defenceless man who offered, we heard, no resistance at any stage. And it was all captured on CCTV. And how it came to the guard, their attention was a, a passerby had seen what was happening and he contacted Gardaí. And when they arrived, uh, Jonathan O'Driscoll was actually on the ground with Christy O'Callaghan and was cradling him as if he had just come across the attack himself and had nothing to do with it. Mm. But then Gardaí discovered Mr O'Callaghan's watch and wallet in his possession and he couldn't offer any explanation as to why they were there. And it was when they viewed the CCTV footage that he accepted that he was the person in that uh, footage who was carrying out this attack on Christy O'Callaghan. Now, a victim impact statement was read out on behalf of uh, Christopher O'Callaghan, who yeah. obviously couldn't attend court yesterday. And we heard that, um, you know, it was such a sad um, statement, PJ, because he said that, you know, beforehand he had led a nice life. He was into greyhounds. He had made a lot of friends through the dogs. He mm. would read three to four books a week. And since the attack, he's now lying in um, a nursing home and needs constant care. He can't walk by himself. And we heard that um, even if he wants to go to the toilet, he needs to be taken by a nurse who's normally a female. And to him, that's embarrassing and mm -hmm. degrading. And mm -hmm. he said to Jonathan O'Driscoll, you took away my human, basic human rights. And he also said that uh, we had heard about his injuries, that he had suffered multiple fractures to his face, his ribs, his neck, and he had suffered a collapsed lung. And he's also losing his sight, so he's no longer able to read in the way that he was, even while he's lying there. And he said that lying in the bed, he said, apart from the physical injuries, um, it's the loneliness of lying here on my hospital bed is terrible. He said he's lost friends in his life and he says sometimes he wishes he was dead. He said to Jonathan O'Driscoll, you have ruined everything in my life and I wonder, did you realise what you were doing? You took away my whole life. I missed the life I had and the person I was. So, you know, this attack, completely unprovoked attack Yeah, on, I was about um, to ask you man. that, Fiona, not that it would mitigate in the slightest, mm. but is there any remote idea of what the motive was here? No, he had been seen on CCTV trying to get into up to 20 cars in that car park. Um, so, um, you know, one would wonder had his intention been to, to, to merely rob and something went in his head and he just carried out this attack. But, you know, when he did get into Christy O'Callaghan's van to search for items, Christy O'Callaghan didn't even confront him. He just scuffled off and... Um, 
then Jonathan O'Driscoll when he got out of the van ran after him. Um, now we did hear that Jonathan O'Driscoll is um, extremely violent, particularly when he has drink on board, and that he did have a troubled background and he did have issues with alcohol and um, medication, both prescribed and non-prescribed. And uh, we also heard that two weeks before this incident, he had presented himself at the Garda station because he had had a psychotic episode and he said he was afraid that he'd hurt himself or someone else. Mm. And he was actually admitted to a mental health facility and he was discharged four days later. Um, so, you know, there, there's, there's nothing really to explain why he carried out this attack on Christy O'Callaghan, but there is a history there of... Um, you know, of uh, mental issues yeah. and I think depression as well. And he had 50 previous convictions. So, you know, his record wasn't good either. And um, Judge Sean O'Donovan said that, you know, it was a, a vicious, unprovoked, prolonged attack. It was unequal given the age of the two men involved. And he said that now Christy O'Callaghan, as a result of this attack, is living uh, in hell, basically, uh, because he said that, you know, he's very much aware of the situation that he's in. You know, his mental capacity is still there mm -hmm. in full and he's well aware that he can't go back to the life that he had. And he had said, you know, he, he would love to be able to go back to his home and live an independent life as he had before, but he knows that that will never happen. Yeah. And it was all because of this attack, unprovoked attack that lasted for 14 minutes. Let, um, let me read, Fiona, for, for listeners. I think the, there are two lines in the statement that... that come across very strongly. I, I have lost my friends and sometimes I wish I was dead. You have ruined everything. I wonder did you realise what you were doing? You took away my whole life. I missed the life I had and the person I was. You've no way of replacing my life. I was an avid reader. I used to read three or four books a week. I can no longer read due to my head injury as my sight is nearly gone. I cannot walk unaided. I don't think I'll ever be allowed home again unaccompanied and this breaks my heart. Such devastation. I know. And he said, like, just to continue on from that as well, PJ, he said, I wish I could get my life back as it was before you took everything away from me. I don't know you, but you will never realise what you have done to me. I've been lying in this hospital bed for the last 11 and a half months trying to figure out why. Do you know, I mean, and after yesterday's coherence, there's still no explanation as to why Mr O'Callaghan is now in this situation and lying there in a hospital Dreadful. bed. And as you said, like he's lost everything, do you know, it's just it was it was just the consequences of this attack were just so unimaginable, really, um, for this poor man. And poor. Um, Judge Sean O'Callaghan sentenced Jonathan O'Driscoll to 15 years and he suspended the final two years given his guilty plea and his expression of remorse. Um, but he will be in jail now for 13 years. Okay. All right, Fiona, leave it there. Yeah. And thank, it thank was a very, very sad case it yesterday. Was, in indeed, court. it was desperately sad. Thank you very much for that, uh, Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter. Jonathan O'Driscoll jailed for 13 years. He got 15, two suspended because of a guilty plea. And uh, the victim in the case, 75 year old man called Christy O'Callaghan. My thoughts are with him. 1850 715996. Please pass our condolences on. Um, for Ted Dunn, from Anne and Lauren Moynihan, who's an SNA and a friend of Lily, uh, daughter of Ted, uh, 
Yeah, uh, lovely, lovely family, and I'll talk more about them uh, later on during the morning. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Social media is full of influencers telling you what to wear, how to live, and what to say. Well, now it's your chance to tell us what to play. Choose our tunes and become a music influencer to win cash with Cork's 96FM. The Monster Music Survey. Take part for your chance to win €1,000. To get involved, go to 96FM.ie and click the survey link. Or check out our social media pages. Become a Cork's 96FM music influencer. Do the Monster Music Survey now and you could win cash. See 96FM.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. A very experienced Cork nurse is warning that many of her colleagues are so exhausted by the frontline efforts to control COVID-19 that they will just leave when it's all done and uh, the the profession of nursing will lose some really talented, really experienced people because they simply can't take it anymore. Uh, I'm paraphrasing the words of Michelle Kingston, who's a COH nurse and the INMO rep for emergency department nurses. Michelle, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. It's been a harsh, a tough, and I'd say a heartbreaking few months on the front line. It's been tough and, yes, heartbreaking. Um, heartbreaking for the patients and heartbreaking for us, watching the patients and their families. That's the heartbreak, you know. Um, and it, it has been tough. Um uh, tiring more than like very very tiring um but you know i suppose you know on the uh, we're very lucky um that we do have um very good support from management you know um that they make sure that we get you know um our our time off that we're not working you know three days in a row or whatever you know mm-hmm. um and we are we are very very lucky with the support we have very very good support you know, um, in, in the emergency department, um, but you know that doesn't like, but that doesn't stop the ambulances coming in the in the back door and yeah. the people coming in the front door. You know, yeah. um, and like the third wave did hit us. You know, um, and you know, it, and it was there was some nights, some days that it's extremely exhausting. Is know? is it easing off any small bit the third wave? It is. I I would say it is. Um, it's not as you know, like we're we're able to breathe now. You know, for want of a better word, um, it is easing off now. Um, at this time three weeks ago, it was like you know everyone just knuckled down. We we had to, you know, those girls out, um, you know, who are either contacts of COVID or got COVID, and you know, um, and as a team, we just pulled together and did overtime and. You know, so like we, you know, work together that way. You know, so that we wouldn't be short-staffed. Mm. You know, but you know, I suppose the other side of that then is that you're, you know, you are working, you know, more hours and more days during the week, and 
you know, it's like psychologically as well. You know, there's there's the whole, you know, it's mind, body and soul, like, you know, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's, you know, it's tough. Of course, many of your colleagues would be mothers um, yes. trying to look after small children as well as work as hard as they have been doing. That's been a very tough time for them. Extremely tough. And I know like there like a lot of my colleagues um have young children. I'm I'm lucky. My my an adult son, but I know that, you know, that friends of mine are, you know, on their day off from work, it's not a day off because you're homeschooling. And, you know, and your your children are there, you know, like when they're at school, at least you get a bit of a break at home, you know. You can drop in school and have a lie in yourself, and you know, you know, get yourself back to yourself. But it's the, <clears throat> that's the side that, you know, is that's very, very tough on them. Very, very tough, you know. And like, there's a, a lot of nurses would have, you know, um, two or three children or four children, and you know, so again, that makes it harder again on them, you know. And then, and then to face coming into work. And doing a twelve-hour shift or a thirteen-hour shift, you know, um, and going home, you know, it's it's a non-stop mm. cycle, you know, and no break, no break at all. Burnout um, is very real. Mm, very, it is very, very real. It is, and you know, and I suppose like when, and like you know, what what's gonna like what's the the outcome of that then? Do you know what I mean? Like you're like very, very tired nurses, extremely tired nurses, mm-hmm. you know, and like there's a, like that. So there's there's a, you know an effect to that, like you know, mm-hmm. um. So and like and the like we've young like our young girls. Uh, when I say when I say our young girls are are, you know, our young nurses like you know who wanted to travel and who can't obviously because of the restrictions, you know, um. They, I'd say that the minute the restrictions are lifted, they're up and gone. <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's <laughs> you know, do you think people will just leave? Um, it's not a case of just leaving, you know, um, because like I know for me, like gee, cause there's there's days there, and you're going, oh my god, like you know, but you know, you're nursing. We went into nursing for a reason, yeah. You know, and I mean, I love what I do, and you know, and I'm lucky that I love going into work in the morning. And I'm lucky that I love doing what I do. And the majority, you know, 95% of the girls I work with, I'm saying 95% now, you know, but it's, you know, people are there because you go into nursing knowing what what, what to expect, you know, and yeah. it's... Well, it's, I, I don't suppose you ever expected any. How long have you been, ever been a nurse now, Michelle? 13, 13 years now. 13 years. In, sorry, I, I don't, years. I don't yes. suppose you ever expected what you've been going through the last few weeks. Absolutely. Well, not. It's, well, it's not just the last few weeks. It's the last year. Yes. Yes. You know, yes. and you know, it's and we're, like we're preparing for this since last year, and like the infrastructure in the in the hospital has changed. Like all the the emergency department has completely changed to what you know um, to what it was. Like, and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening would would and who have gone up there would see you know and. There's like going forward, you know. Again, this is like this is um, the support from our management. Like, like they're, you know, very visual as well. You know, on the on um on the floor, and they're they're down and they're seeing what what's needed. You know, so we'll have a new um the A&E is going to be extended. It's going to be bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, and that 
that is all because of 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 COVID. You know, yeah. like it and it's like, and it will make things easier for us and easier in the sense that. You know, like we don't have patients on on corridors anymore, which is fantastic. But you know, where are those pa- like where are those patients gone? You know, so it's a case of looking after. Like, so we've a small space mm. still inside in the emergency department. I'm sure again, people would see that. Like, but that is all going to that's all going to change in yeah. the in in the coming weeks. Actually, you know, yeah. how is the mental health of of your 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 colleagues? Like, it must be very hard to support one another when you're all as exhausted and drained as you are well that's we are we are tired we are like the change i see um really like that you know you'd go into work before and you know it's and i make this before covid and you'd have your crack and you'd have your laugh and all this kind of thing now yes that's still there but you know but people people are tired like it's too tired to have like we're all they see we're all in ppe like we're never without a ppe only when we're eating you know, and it's so like it's so you know, and we are we're too busy really to be having the cracks, for want of a better word, because you're because we're you know we're looking after patients and and being in your 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 donned the whole time, you know, mm. and but we do we do but even apart from the crack though, Michelle, mm. like you know, sitting down with a friend who's had a particularly tough shift or someone mm. who's just mm. lost a patient and mm. it can affect them, particularly the younger oh, younger absolutely. staff. You know, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You don't even have time to put an arm around them, do you? Well, we... Well, to be are, you, are you even allowed you, under the circumstances? We do. We do. We, uh, like, under, like we, we are because we're PPE'd, so we, you can put an arm around them. And as well, like, and as a team, again, like, and this is pre-COVID, um, that we're... You know, I suppose anything that comes into the emergency department and any any fatality, any patient who's passed away, we always debrief, always. And our consultants, um, you know, who are involved in the in the case, will always get the nurses together who are involved in that, and you know, and give you know have words and support them in that, you know. And we'd always like, no matter what, like you know, it doesn't take a second. Say, all right, yeah. you know. And you know, and you know, just put an arm around, and that 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 hasn't gone. And that's you know, that's where, again, that's where like I know I'm lucky in our department that we're all, we are all very very supportive of each other, every yeah. single person, you know. And and I know that I can, and I have, you know, I can go to management and say, oh my god, you know, over something, and there, again, the support you get there is just you know phenomenal like you know like and the, and you know what you don't see usually what you know on a ward or I'm, I'm saying in a department is the visual when you see when you see your management you know all management there to support especially during the pandemic mm-hmm. or the, not the pandemic the the third wave yeah the support you know you you that's what we, you know especially for the young girls as well you know knowing that they have that support yeah. you know and that's and that's something because all everything has everything you know in the last year we were trained for all this like we were getting training like anytime we had a, a kind of a quiet moment this is last year now and um, a quiet moment it was training you know we are into a room and training because mm-hmm. it like you know, the, like you know, we have you know the air valves and all the, the the breathing equipment. You know that we wouldn't, you know, we'd only use once in a while. But now we're using like all the, all time. the time. 
Yeah. You know, because then it's young people coming in as well. Like you know, young, like, and that's the thing is when there have been more people, young people. I think this time, yeah, they're all they had, yeah, they had young people and sicker. You know, young people with no other, you know, illnesses and things that, and that's the frightening side of the PJ. That you know that people think that they're invincible. You know, and then you know you've your like there is house parties going on out there still. Yeah. And, you know, and there is still gatherings after funerals and people coming home. Michelle, how does, it, how does it make you feel when you constantly hear the guards, for example, um, Chief Super McPoland saying over the mm. weekend, you know, over 200 people had to, be, had to be dealt with over the weekend for parties and yeah. other such breaches. And people who insist, and they're even listening to us this morning, insisting that is all just a flu. Oh my God! Like it's for me, like for me and for my colleagues, because we we speak about this in our tea breaks and whatever. It is maddening, you know. And we wish I'd, I'd I'd love if I could get these people and have a camera inside in the emergency department and see, you know, a young forty-year-old trying to breathe, you know, a young forty-year-old who the week before was part, of, you know, could have been out partying, and 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 you know, or could not have been, you know. And um, because over Christmas there was a lot of guard, like there were, like like Christmas there was a lot of gatherings, you know, as you well know, mm. in West Cork and all the different pockets in West Cork and that, and should we got them all, you know? And it it was, and you know, if I and I've heard, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a good few times from from patients saying, I never knew, you know, I like that it was this bad, you know, or I never knew that I could get like this. I'm so sick, you know, and like because people are reading things on, you know, social media that are exaggerated and and lies. You know, I read it myself, like, and I have to stop reading it because it's infuriating. And, you know, if, and you see, because it's, it's, it's because it, people will put out something negative and, and it's amazing how the public can believe that, you know. And the reality is that COVID is real, you know, and it can affect anybody from children to obviously adults, you know, and we get it inside. Oh, like we have got it that like the third wave really, like blew us. Like you know, and when I say blew us, it's like 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 the, the, how young the people were. Like it's usually your seventy-year-old, you know, your seventy-five-year-old coming in with an exacerbation, or like who you know they're with their. <clears throat> but when you have a young person coming in. It's just, that's the frightening side. Because yeah. you think of yourself as well, you know what I mean? And say, and, and it, like, and you, it, it's like, even though we, we take precautions all the time and all that, you take extra precautions. Yeah. Have you all been vaccinated now? Yes, we have. Which is we good, have. which is very good. Do- been, yeah. Dr. Nabarro from the World Health Organization has been quoted, and he's been on this program a couple of times, he's been quoted in the last 24 hours First of all, as praising the efforts of the Irish to bring the third wave under control, but I think very cogently warning that we have to or keep this wave. because yes. if there's a fourth wave, it'll be it'll be even worse. That must fill you with dread when mm. even the thought of another wave of this, Michelle. Absolutely, I actually read that as well um, this morning, and it's it, you know again, you know, I suppose when you're working in the emergency department, you're always prepared for the unknown. You know, and like this is like, and so like a fourth wave. So we got we got our taster with the third wave, 
for the fourth wave, if we do get a fourth wave, and hopefully, please God, we won't, that people will cop on, you know, like, and, you know, and stay, and, and, you know, stay within the guidelines, you know, but, you know, if there's a fourth, like, a fourth wave, you know, it's, we'll have to deal with it. If it comes, we'll have to deal with it. It's as simple as that, but, you know, it's, um, but as I said, the third wave gave us a good taster, you know, and, you know, so, and and we, and you learn from this as well, what, you know, that, you know, what, what we can do better the next time, maybe, or, you know, that kind of a way. But, and, and, you know, if there is a fourth wave, the emergency department will be, please God, finished in it, in the, you know, in the extensions that have been doing, you know, that can, and which will make things easier for... But for I think with every fibre of your being, you you hope against hope that this is the last of it and that there won't Absolutely. be another wave. Michelle, um, I'm, I'm going to leave it there and let you okay. get back to work and thank you very thank much you. to you and That's your colleagues well. for your service and for what you've been doing. And thank you, PJ. Thank you. Cheers. That's okay. Mich- okay, thank you. Bye-bye. That, that's Bye. Michelle Kingston. And the CUH, she's the INMO rep for emergency department nurses at CUH. Thank you, Michelle. Big and thank you to all the medical staff. They've been fabulous, brave, tireless. Mary says we all owe our lives to people like Michelle because of the work they did and the way they stopped the spread. And who knows what happened to them. The government's asleep at the wheel and should wake up. The frontline nurses should be given an immediate bonus and care for before we lose them. And it will happen. Thank you, Michelle. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. So you've got a smartphone or tablet. Then get the must-have app. So you can take us everywhere. Download the Cork's 96FM app today. And listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts. And get all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, speaker. ask it to play Cork's 96FM. Play Cork's 96FM. Okay. On your phone, tablet, smart speaker, and radio. Turn up the volume. We are Cork's 96FM. One group of people who, if their physical health, even if their physical health was okay, one group of people who I think have really struggled through the pandemic are addicts of many kinds. Um, And of course, the ones whose physical health is better than most, even if their mental health is is wretched, are gambling addicts. And there have been many. I got contacted last weekend by a man very concerned about what he sees as the promotion of gambling on social media. We're working on that behind the scenes. Uh, Shamey, if you're listening, get back in touch because we can't get on to you. But gambling in general is one of those addictions that, that destroys you in a way that many don't see. So we thought we'd like to, to look at that for a few minutes this morning. Dennis, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. First of all, when, when was the last time you, you gambled? The last one for me would have been 22nd of September 2017. So it's uh, a bit over three years ago. Well, well done. Uh, Well done. Um, And has the pandemic been tough? Um, I would have... It's been tough in a number of different ways, I suppose, in terms of... I suppose, uh, being on the topic they were on gambling, um, the pandemic would definitely have been something that would have... um, 
escalated it for me if I was in the process of gambling at the moment because, you know, when I was, like, about 85, 90% of my gambling was done online because I always had this fear of, you know, people see me going into the bookies or, you know, I always had this pretense of being this person, you know, but on the inside I was a completely different person. Yeah. And I'll get to that in a little while. Yeah. But um, the pandemic would have, like, obviously with the pandemic, we're being told to kind of... um, mind ourselves from other people, isolate where possible, you keep your distance and all that kind of stuff. And it's not by choice. It's yeah. down to public health and personal health and minding ourselves and each other. Yeah, which when doesn't I, which I, doesn't help. Go back to go back to the start, I, Dennis, yeah. I guess. Go back way, way to yeah. the start. Uh, how did it all begin for you? Um it's you know it's it started for me as kind of like one of these hobbies kind of it started off going in on uh, Doing, doing the weekend uh, Premier League soccer bets on with, on Wednesdays and Saturdays and the, on the weekends. So I suppose at the start, I suppose for the first year, I'd have maybe done maybe four or five bets in a week. And it wasn't big money. It wasn't it wasn't obsessive by any means. But even though it was only four or five bets, I might go on a Wednesday and place my bets. But I'd have it in my head from the Monday. I'd be like, Monday, Tuesday, I'd be thinking about it. I'd go on the Wednesday then I'd place the bets. And then on the Thursday, Friday, I'm thinking about the weekend. So even though, it, even at the very start, it was only small bets. And, you know, it, it, was, um, it wasn't very regular. It was becoming to become pronounced in my mind. And for the first year, it would have been going into the bookies. Um, after about a year, then... I thought what it at the time was the sensible thing of buying myself a smartphone and downloading the Paddy Power and Wild Sports apps because mm. I was like, look, it's easier to download it. It's because, again, any time I'd go into the bookies in the past, I'd always kind of look up and down the street first. And before I'd walk in, I'd glance to see was there somebody there I knew because I was always afraid of somebody seeing me going in or somebody seeing me coming out. Yeah. Um, and I thought, okay, look, I'll download the apps. I'll put it onto my phone because it'll just be, I can do, I can do from home, I can do from work, I can do from the car, I can do while I'm having dinner. But it just, it, 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 and even when I did it, when I downloaded the apps, um, I never did it in a way of wanting to become addicted. Mm. I just thought it would, it would make it easier for myself um, and it would help to protect myself, from my, you know, I suppose my privacy and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And for the first year, uh, obviously, once I got the smartphone, maybe for a year, year and a half after that, the bets did become more frequent, you know, but it wasn't obsessive, you know. Um, I suppose I was, uh, for 10 years in total, I was gambling. The last five, five and a half years would have been chronic gambling. How you know, bad did it get, Dennis? Like, how much would you be gambling? You said initially it was quite small, but yeah. how much would you be gambling at your uh, worst? I gamble whatever I had. I gamble my wages. I gamble. I maxed out credit cards. You know, I, I I had a job in retail at the time, and I managed, and I you know I spent years taking money from other sources as well. You know, when when I depleted my own money, you know, I'd find I'd find ways of finding other money, and um, whatever I could get my hands on, I gambled. Um, and, and was there a drive within you to think that you'd eventually one day win it all back? Is that the great lie that the gambler tells himself? 
we call it the dream world of the compulsive gambler because that's what it is. You know, I spent years believing. Like, I could see the hurt that was causing to everybody around me. You know, I was in a, I was in a previous relationship at the time and she would have been badly affected by it. Um, you know, and my family would have been affected. Um, isolated myself from everybody around me. You know, uh, and you're on about the pandemic there. You know, we're being told with the pandemic to kind of keep ourselves distance from people. When I was gambling, I chose to do that. I chose to isolate myself from everyone because uh, it got to the point where I absolutely hated and despised the person that I was. I thought it was this person that was just horrible. And I'm live on air, so I'm not going to use any bad language. But uh, just think of the worst things you can call yourself. Yeah. That's what I call myself. You hated yourself. You looked into the mirror and hated what you saw. Hated and despised myself. And, you know, I hated everybody around me because on the inside, I was miserable and lonely. Granted, I was in a relationship. I had a job. I had family. But it was all on my own because nobody knew what was going on. I was keeping all this stuff to myself. And And that's the point that I think sets gambling aside, doesn't it, Dennis? Because, you know, if you were an alcoholic or if you were addicted to drugs, there would be physical signs. There were no physical signs. There wasn't. You know, I still got up in the morning. You know, towards the end, it would have been. You know, I was starting to lose my appetite. It wasn't my self-care was starting to go. You know, um, the more chronic that it got. And I suppose the biggest physical thing, really, for myself would have been... um, you know, towards the end, I just wanted to kind of, I wanted to end it all. You know, I wanted to, you know, I just couldn't see any way out. The only way I could see out was, and thankfully I didn't do anything that I couldn't come back from. But the thoughts did go through my mind towards, oh, I suppose over the last year, year and a half of it, because it got to the point for me where I thought that, you know, I was causing all this pain pain to everybody else and they'd all be better off without me. You know, the world would be better off without me. Um, And even through all this, I was still getting up in the morning, going to work, you know, engaging with people where I had to and keeping up that pretense. But it it was just absolutely destroying me on the inside, you know, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Um, And I couldn't, you know, the easy, you know, the easy thing to do would have been ask for help. And we always say to people, look, if you're in trouble, ask for help. When you're in that point of, I suppose, for me at the time, it would have been the point of no return because I just totally, I didn't know up and down. You know, my mind was totally obsessed with gambling, was obsessed with the next race, the next soccer match. You know, I suppose the starter would have been betting on soccer and racing. Mm. By the end, it could be, two flies going up the wall. It was anything at all. Because, and with online, there's always, always something, you know, because when stuff closes off over here in Europe, you've, you know, you've got stateside, you, you know, you've got Asian soccer, you've yeah. got tennis over in Japan, you know, just always something. And you would bet on it all. I, I just had to have a bet because, and, because it was just, it was my escape as well because I'd all this, it's such anger towards myself and I couldn't, I didn't know how to release it healthily. But when I was gambling, it wasn't there because when I was gambling, I blocked all that out with um, this dream world. Okay, this is going to be it. I'm going to do it now. And, you know, all these visions of, you know, 
making this big win and, you know, buying, paying off my parents' mortgage, you know, my sisters and brothers buying them houses, all this, you know, because... You always thought that might happen. I did, and they, of all, you know, they always say that a lot of compulsive gamblers are very giving people, you know, they'll give you what they have, but they just don't have it, you know, and... And in our hearts and in our minds, you know, we've all these dreams of what we want to do for people. But that's the addiction feeding yeah. it. It's just, and that's I, the I demon. couldn't see that's, it. That's the demon telling you you can do it. But yeah, it, it came to a point, and I think you, you know, you, you, you considered uh, ending your life. You didn't, mercifully, but you rang your dad. Talk to yeah. me about that conversation. Um, it was. Yeah, I might get emotional during the call. That's okay, Dennis, that's um, okay. It's one of the hardest calls I've ever had to make in my life. Um, you know, just having to ring up, you know, the night after, wanting to, to sorry, the day after, uh, wanting to end it all and not being able to, and ringing him up and saying, look, I need help. Because at that stage, there was people looking for me. You know, there was, you know, online searches, there was, you know, Facebook, there was all different people concerned, you know, guards and everybody was were involved. And, um, and, you know, I got to a point where I didn't want to be alive. Yeah. But I, at the same time, I was afraid, Not, you know, because I was afraid I tried to, End it all, and I'd make him, I'd make a bags of that as well. Because up until that point, in my own head, I, you know, I'd made a bags of everything. You know, I'd wrecked my life. I'd wrecked the lives of people close to me. You know, um, I'd wrecked my, you know, everything. And I was like, if I try this, I'm going to make a mess of that as well. And so there was the fear of dying, but there was also the fear of not being able to, and being in a condition that. I suppose um, I wouldn't be able to come back from, you know, and like if someone had come to me and said, look, there's this quick fix, if you do this and this, it's not going to hurt you. It'll be over in seconds. And all that pain would be gone away. Yeah. I, I, I'd, have, I'd have taken it, I'd have snapped their fingers off because um, but even still at that point, gambling was still in my mind. Even though it had absolutely destroyed me. Um, and thinking back at it, you know, um, it scares me. The depths that I went to, to hurt, that I caused people, mm-hmm. and start to cause to myself. But that phone call to your dad was, was the beginning of, of the turnaround, wasn't it? It was. Um, after that, um, the family met me, and, you know, I came back home, and... Uh, about a week and a half later, I was into a treatment centre. Did they know anything about the gambling? They, at that point, they did, because um, when I went missing, they they found my car parked up, and they found receipts and different things in it, and, you know, they were able to piece, piece, piece things together. Yeah. You know, so they had an idea. You know, they obviously didn't know the extent. Yeah. Um, but... Um, and it was tough then having to own up to the stuff and say, "Look, I'm not a, I'm not the person you think I am," you know. Um, 
and going into treatments. And today is one of the hardest things you'll ever do because it's where you you sit with yourself and you're made aware of what you've done to others. But the hardest part for me was making myself aware of what I've done to myself because I'd always looked at the ways I hurt other people mm. and I was always very aware of the hurt I was causing to everybody else. But I could never see the damage I was doing to myself. Yeah. And that's something, I suppose that's something I'll never recover from. You know, I can, a day's time, get back, you know, um, get back to the, a better person. But, you know, you'll always have those scars to some degree. Do you, you know, know when, when people um, are in treatment for an addiction, they're told, aren't they, at some point, or they're encouraged to go to the people that they have hurt and, and have a conversation with them. Yeah. Part of making reparation, but it must be very hard to make reparation with yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. Have you managed um, to do that now? I'm getting better at it. You know, I've good days and bad days, but I suppose with everything today, I have a choice. When I was gambling, I had no choice at all because I didn't know any better. Whereas, you know, the last three years, I've I've done a lot of work on myself, a lot of soul searching. You know, I've had a sponsor for the last number of years and. I'm working a program for the last three years and, you know, and I'm starting to believe better things about myself. No, there's still, uh, you know, I still wake up in the morning and I've still got the same crazy head, you know, I would have had three years ago in terms of my first natural reaction to things would always be um, the crazy thought. And then you're like, one second, think about this now. Yeah. And, and then it still doesn't make sense. I'm like, hmm, I'll make a phone call. Or I'll ask somebody, um, and then it makes then it does make sense. Yeah, you know because I suppose I spent so many years just. Um, I suppose I'm I, I'm not a child. I'm not an uh, uh, I'm not an old. I, I'm middle aged person. I'd say I uh, I'd like to think I'm young, but I'd say I'm middle I'm a middle aged person. Mm. But it's only the last couple of years I've actually been starting to live like an adult. Showed me years I've always lived that childish kind of a mindset, you know, of the quick fix, you know, not being responsible for stuff and just, um, when I was gambling, I was responsible for nothing. I cared about nothing. Um, Whereas today, I try to be responsible. You know, if I hurt someone today, I try to make it, try to apologise, I try, you know, and um, as a person myself, um, yeah, I've good days and I've bad days. Are you allowing yourself yet, Dennis, to, to like and to love yourself? Uh, <laughs> um, I'm allowing myself, but I don't always believe it. Um, I haven't got to the point yet of being able to look directly at myself in the mirror and say it. Mm. You know, and if I do, it's just like, a, a, you know, because and there's one of those sayings out there as well, it's fake it till you make it, you know keep saying it and you'll eventually believe it you know and um, I know today you know um, I'm not the same person as three years ago um, today I have I suppose it, it, you know I don't want to spend the whole call talking around the past yeah. if possible I'd like to move a bit forward as well because okay. well, the important thing for me is you know, I'm always going to be a compulsive gambler. I'm always going to be that person because it's in my it's in my DNA at this stage. Yeah, is um, it that you have to you have to work every day? Absolutely. You know, not it, to gamble it, today. Yeah, and it's it, 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 it. Yeah, and it's just, but it's not just. 
I suppose for the first year, year and a half, I was I was afraid not to go to meetings. I was afraid not to ring someone. I was afraid to do not to do everything. I was, whatever people, you know. Um, uh, sorry, after the primary treatment, um, I went down for secondary treatment, and I had a relapse there, and that was the turning point for me. That was September 2017. It was the point where I said to myself, "Look, it's not nothing's changing here. Every time I do this." I'm causing myself more pain. I'm causing people around me more pain. Um, and it was that point then I kind of said, look, I have to change. I have to do something different. You know, so I started listening to people then. I started listening to people in the program, you know. Um, and I got a lot of support at the time. You know, I started a scheme back home, um, a kind of like um, a C scheme. And it, it gave me that space to... Uh, with other people in recovery as well, and it gave me that space to, you know, to work on myself, you know, yeah. um, to find out more about myself, what I like. You know, I found out things. I don't like pottery. I don't like. There's different things I found out. Yeah. I think you've you, you like. found a love of working with children with special needs. Absolutely, there's a lot of things that came out of that that made they gave me belief in myself because we did a lot of mini courses in it, and uh, I found going through it that I can you know I can do stuff you know and I suppose the, the love of working with people with special needs uh, goes back to earlier in my time as well you know would have been somebody that was very close to me for a number of years and um, that person I don't think she'd ever know um how much she helped me. Okay. But when I was working on myself and trying to find what I wanted to do, I was like, do you know what? That person was always there in my life. And, you know, I had a healthy relationship. It was one of the few healthy relationships I had through my gambling, this particular person. Um, And I was like, even in the depths of my gambling, I still cared about this person. In um, not in a selfish way, not in a self-seeking way, which which is what it would have been with everybody else, but in just kind of like a, wanting to do the best that I could good for that person, yeah. you know. And um, that that showed you, though, didn't it, that you were capable of, yeah, of doing it, better. Yeah. Dennis, exactly. I'm going. I'm, I'm going to run out of time, uh, which is a pity because I'd love to sit talking to you. But you you are very involved now with Gamblers Anonymous, and I think you'd encourage anybody who has a problem or has a young, as a friend or a, or a relation with a problem to get on to GA? Absolutely. The, the hardest thing you'll ever have to do is make that call. And, you know, there's supports out there for the person that's gambling, but there's also supports out there for families, you know, because it's it's a family illness. It's, it's, if one person in the family has it, it's going to affect everybody in some sort of a way, you know. So I just want to let people know that there are supports for the person that's affected, but equally... There's support out there as well for families. You know, all we ask is just the people, you know, and there's um, I've one or two phone numbers here I can give you if that, if, 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 if you I'll, want. I'll, read, I'll read the contact details out probably after. Perfect. But there's also, the web, there's also the website as well, gamblersanonymous.ie. Yeah. You get all the links and stuff up there. And, um, and, and lastly, and, and, and briefly, Dennis, people, there's certain behaviours are problematic and if you see them in a loved one, what, yeah. what would you be watching for? Or if you see them in yourself? Um, 
what you're looking for for me with the online side of it it was hiding my phone and having having blocks having um, uh, pin locks on my phone um, isolating from people you know you know and for me it was uh, when I was gambling it was very slow to pay for last things because I, I just didn't have the money I was coming up with all these excuses or I didn't get paid or you know this or that or this direct debit came out in the kind of you know and if, if you see somebody's personality is changing if you see that they're kind of um, you know just be more introverted uh, if they're talking less if they're you know stopping on a work longer and there's no, no explanation there's, there's multiple multiple uh, okay. things to look out for but right. it's the main, I suppose the main thing really is you see that person changing as a person you know they might have been bubbly and they might have been enthusiastic about life and then all of a sudden they're not you know they're they're quieter there, um, they don't want to get out of bed. You know, when I was in the knee deep of it all, I didn't want to get out of bed. I got out of bed because I'd go to work because I'd keep yeah. up that pretense, but I didn't want to. You know, I didn't want to do anything. Dennis, I to isolate. I'm going to have to leave it there because I'm really caught by time. Thank you so much for your time. And you know what? I'm only talking to you 15, 20 minutes. I like you. You're allowed like yourself. Please do do that for me. Well, of course. Take Thank care, you. Dennis. Thank you very much. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Anne-Marie says she has a lump in her throat listening to Dennis. Fair play to him for taking the first step of asking for help. He should be very, very proud of himself. Indeed, he should. And as should anybody who manages to make that first step. And no matter how many falls there are on the road, anybody who manages to keep their addiction under control and maintain their their sobriety, for want of a better word, they should be very, very, very proud of themselves. Thanks, Dennis, for speaking so openly with us this morning. If you'd like any support for you or a loved one after listening to Dennis, you can get on to gamblersanonymous.ie. That is their website. They have a phone number, and there'll be someone at the end of the phone a lot of the time for you. 87 That's 87 552 should you need to talk to someone in relation to a gambling problem. Their address is uh, Quaker House, Capwell, Summerhill South, which is near Turner's Cross. A lot of people think of Summerhill as being a north side place, but no, there is a place called Summerhill South, and that's down near Turner's Cross. Uh, they have a, a, a base there called Quaker House. They also hold a regular meeting, a public meeting, in fact, open to all in Laverna on Grattan Street, that's about once a month they have an email address info at gamblersanonymous.ie for anybody who feels that they need help and somebody will come back to you 1857-15996 the number, the text or whatsapp 083-396-9696 the email opinion at 96fm.ie if you missed anything in our first hour this morning, remember that we put our podcast live in the middle of the afternoon goes up first, we tweet the link through Twitter and then it goes to all of your platforms including the Cork's 96FM app so if you follow us and subscribe you'll be updated every day with the podcast of the programme and the best news of all is that it is absolutely free, not a penny piece will it cost you because I was so engrossed in my conversation with Dennis uh, I had hoped to stop down and mention that 10 years ago this very morning, I was on the air, I was here in studio, on the programme, uh, when the crash happened, 
at Cork Airport. It was the Manx 2 commuter flight from Belfast. Flight number was NM7100, had 10 passengers and two crew. And it crashed at Cork Airport 10 years ago this very morning at around 10 to 10. And I know that they had a special minute silence at the airport at 10 to 10 to mark 10 years since that tragedy. And uh, I wanted to mark it ourselves at that time, but we were engrossed in our conversation with Dennis. So I do want to just mark it now, um, 10 years ago today. And we think of, of that terrible day and those, those misfortunate people. I would also like at this point uh, to mention, because I will come back to him during the morning, but I want to mention Ted Dunn. Uh, if you're watching your social media, you'll have seen it's flooded with tributes to Ted. And he passed away yesterday at COH. He'd been battling furiously since Christmas with the ravages of COVID-19. At one point, we thought he might come back, but sadly, it was not to be. Ted was only in his early 60s. He was involved in entertainment all of his life. He started out as a DJ, developed his business, though. He encompassed every element of the industry, across the city, the county, right across Munster. In fact, to be fair, all over Ireland. He was a promoter, he was a manager, a supplier, an agent, an organiser, a developer of talent, a promoter of talent, and a friend to many, myself included. He was a fixer who got stuff done. It would often mean leaving home late on a winter's night just as he'd be settling down in front of the fire. But he'd get up and he'd go out to fix something. It might only be a lead that some guy, a lead wasn't working 30 miles away or an amp had blown somewhere down in Kerry and he'd get up and get out and go and do it himself if he couldn't find someone to do it for you. And he nurtured talent, particularly, actually, and a lot of people wouldn't know it, he, he particularly encouraged women to develop their potential in the entertainment business. DJs in particular, a lot of female DJs. Ted always believed a female could be a brilliant DJ. And he nurtured them. DJ myself, I suppose. I, I was a DJ in the 80s. Um, I worked the clubs, the pubs, the weddings, the functions, the festivals. So many of them for Ted and with Ted. But as a live DJ, as a performer behind the decks, he was the best I have ever seen. The best. Without peer. The best I have ever seen. He knew what to play. He could sense it. He was like a snooker player. Thinking five shots ahead in a game. Ted was thinking six, seven songs ahead. I saw him take crowds in the palm of his hand and he just knew what to do. He was a friend to me and to many of us here, but I'm thinking particularly of Fergal, a few rooms away from me here. Um, Ted was Ted was a one-off and, and his many, many friends are mourning his loss today. But in particular, Sheila and Lily and TJ and Pat and the Maloney's and his many, many relatives and friends will mourn Ted. If you got married any stage in the last 20, 25 years and you had a band and a DJ, the chances are Ted probably organised it. Um, and I know last night I was talking to his uh, colleague and friend, Mark Cosgrove, about trying to organise, they're trying to organise something in the various function rooms around the city and county to mark his, it'll be so hard to mark the passing of this guy who he graced every function room for a hundred miles and back. 
and we shall miss him profoundly. As an old and beautiful motto given to me many years ago by an old radio colleague, as they say, the great maker knew his name and smiled upon him. Ted Dunn. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. The drama is sensational. That's 80. Oh, he's done it. It's an equaliser. It's stoppage time. And it's all right here. Grealish for seven. Join me, Trevor Welch, on 96fm.ie for the Premier League Live online, powered by TalkSport. Go, go. Join us Saturdays as we bring you pre-match analysis with some of the biggest names in the game. Live commentary, exclusive interviews, and don't miss the post-match breakdowns. Go, go. The Premier League Live Online With Now TV Stream all the action from Sky Sports On the Now TV Sky Sports Pass Courts 96 FM <laughs> Keith Barry was on with me on Monday morning And he was trying to explain the benefits of a cold shower And I'm looking out the window going Nah, you're off your chuck, Keith And he told me how he spent three minutes in a cold shower Every morning, screaming, I am in control of this body, like a lunatic. I wasn't convinced. Dawn, you've been trying it since. Hi, PJ. Uh, yeah, I am. I said that I'd text in just to see, did you give it a go? No, I didn't. I think you should. I want to challenge you to give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> and come back and let us know. It, is, it was superb. Really? Yeah. I was even early for work this morning. <laughs> But like, you just turned the shower to cold, like. I tell you now, I was in the bath. I was having a lovely, I love my bath. And I was thinking about what Keith Barry said. I actually texted my sister to turn him on and listen because he was giving really good advice about um, coping with the lockdown. Mm. And um, I was thinking about it this morning. I said, you know what, now I'm going to try the shower. I left the water out and I put it on. Now it was warm and I worked it down, but I went down to freezing and I stayed in it for about two minutes. And... <laughs> I'm flying since. I even text the radio station, which I would never do. So yeah, my, my skin is shrinking at the very thought <laughs> of it. Yeah, I think you should give it a go. What was the feeling you got out of it? Um, well, I'd done a bit of, you know, the stuff that he's in. I'm in control. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> I know now I probably sound crazy, but it worked. <laughs> I'm in control. <laughs> My teeth are chattering so hard they're going to break, but I'm in yeah. control. Yeah. And he lasted two minutes. Two minutes, yeah. So I'd recommend anyone that was thinking about it should actually do it, start their day off right. <laughs> even I, I, I'm, I'm even shivering here now at the top. <laughs> I mean, if I scream the house down at five past six in the morning, I'll be divorced. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> You'll be too cold to scream. <laughs> yeah, thanks. That's really encouraging me to try. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I look forward to it tomorrow. We'll hear your... You'll try it again, will you? No, no, you will. And let us all know. Oh, for God's sake. I think everybody now listening is dying to find out how you'll work out in a cold shower. Ah, come on. <laughs> go on, go on. Go on. I'll give us go a, on. I'll give us a, I'll give us a go. Excellent. This may Excellent. not end well for anybody, but I'll give us. <laughs> Everybody, tune in tomorrow to find out how PJ gets out. There's no one doing a video. There will be no videos posted here. <laughs> Terry Brennan, put that idea out of your head. <laughs>
way. John, thank you. Right. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Fergal's idea of a video. No way. We might give you an audio file, but not a video. Ah, the whole no, I can't even think about it. Ah. A couple of tunes today that I'm going to play with Ted in mind. He always used to tell you this song will break dance floors in months to come. Here's one of them. He picked up on it, I'd say, six, seven months ahead. Played it one night at a gig and broke the floor. And I said, what's that? He said, it's going to be the biggest song of the year. And he was right. Snap. Rhythm is a dancer. Reminded by Trevor. Hey, Trev. Well, Trevor Fitz. That uh, Ted's all-time favourite song, uh, from a dance floor point of view anyway, was Return of the Mac. Great record. Great record. There was a song I always used to play that reminds me of Ted, and we might get that in before the end of the programme, but lots of people are remembering the great Ted Dunn uh, in lovely ways, many, many different ways. I'm thinking of uh, our old buddy Mick Trent, alias Hector Pickaxe, who's now... Um, defusing landmines in some remote corner of the world. I f- forgot at this stage where where Hector is, but um, beautiful post this morning on, on Facebook. And Andrew Carroll about how he got Ted out of a jam on a New Year's Eve. Uh, lovely stories, uh, but a lovely guy and a guy we, we will miss desperately. And more mentions of him as we go on uh, through the programme. But I want to... Councillor Deirdre Ford wants to bring Game of Thrones to Cork. I've seen this wonderful avenue, both on television and, and for real. Uh, Deirdre, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. As a fan of games of Game of Thrones, for people who wouldn't be, describe what you want to do. Well, what I want to do is have an avenue of intertwining trees, uh, which will be very atmospheric and, I suppose, enclosing, you know, kind of cocooning way that people could walk and remember those ones that they had, those family members and, you know, aunts, uncles, mums and dads, or anybody who was lost since this p- pandemic. People that we couldn't go to their funerals, people whose hand we couldn't hold uh, in their final hours. Mm. And there's a lot of sadness out there. And I feel that this avenue of remembrance and celebration of their lives mm. uh, would be a kind of a living tangible way that Cork people could have to remember them. The the ones that were used on the television are in County Antrim, a place called Dark Hedges. It's a remarkable site. It's it's actually a very popular site now. I haven't been there. I've seen it and I printed off. Obviously when I was researching this, I also spoke to Ronan Nangle of Nangle and Nielsen in Arla. They're three experts and I asked them kind of trees would be suitable but you see Cork people are terrific to remember those that have passed we have a great affinity in remembrance for them and I I thought that if we could allow people to purchase a tree Mm. in this avenue and have it planted and with a little plaque Mm. commemorating where where would you like to do it Deirdre because I know that Stormophilia for example destroyed so many beautiful trees down by the marina the first place comes to my mind 
Yes, a lot of people on, on the Twitterati have suggested the marina. And really, I, I, I put forward the suggestion, and we will be discussing many different areas. I suggested maybe uh, Tremor Valley Park or the perimeter of Corrine Science Park, yeah. which is 250 acres. Maybe but somewhere that people could walk through rather it, than drive. Well, this is the point, and I would prefer myself, but this is only my thoughts. It will be decided in discussions between my fellow councillors and Cork City Council and the tree, the new tree officer that we are uh, bringing on board this year. Um, my idea was that it would be more contemplative, that there would be no cars, that people could bus there or walk there, that it would be fairly easily accessible okay. by everybody in Cork because PJ, as you well know, the sadness that's out there has not been resolved and there is no way that people have forgotten these people who died either through COVID or through other tragic circumstances yeah. since March last year. All right. And so it's it's gone past the idea on paper. It's now a project that people are actually going to think about. Yes, I'm, I'm absolutely ecstatic, okay. PJ, because Cork City Council are always innovative. And my fellow councillors across all political divides uh, um, supported this motion. And for that, I'm very grateful okay. because it really is about the people yeah. who have lost people. It's not well, about me or the City Council. I want the people to get involved in this and take ownership of okay. it. Well, and it's, maybe a, it's an idea. It, yeah, it'd be lovely. It's an idea that we will come back to and, and maybe people could sponsor a tree or buy a tree or put a plaque on a tree or that kind of thing. Yeah, that's a nice idea to recreate in our own way. The dark hedges of County Antrim. Beautiful, beautiful place. You'll have seen it on Game of Thrones. It's that arch of, of trees. I saw it last year when I was on holidays up the north. It's it's magnificent. Magnificent. And uh, our own one, to remember those who passed during the pandemic, would be lovely. Let's see where it goes. 1850-715-996. Ah, listen, they're ganging up on me now. They are ganging up on me now. Live in Spain. Ah, go on, PJ. I give the cold water a go. I've been doing cold water showers for years. Now. Yeah, it is easy in flipping Madrid, Viv. Uh, it's great for the mind. You'll be a new man. Listen, Viv, I can't even, when you know, you, you know the way you have to shower before you go into the pool on your holidays, or you're supposed to, I can't even stick that cold water, and that's lukewarm. I don't like cold water. Oh, they're ganging up on me, though. I think it might happen. It might have to happen. 1850-715-996 The Opinion Line on Quartz 96 FM With Lehan Motors Leading the way for Toyota hybrids The place to order your 211 Toyota See lehanmotors.ie Access all areas On Quartz 96 FM Your guide to nightlife on side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update On Quartz Entertainment Songlines is a series of live concerts Underway from the Whitehorse and Ballancolic There's 17 Irish acts in total playing live stream concerts with further details on ticketing available from the venue's website whitehorse.ie Access all areas 
Cork County Library and Arts Service has announced CSI Cork, a six-week online writing course with crime writer Alex Barkley. The course will include the many tricks Alex has picked up in the course of a successful career with more information at corkcoco.ie. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM. I mentioned that this is 10 years to the day uh, since the crash of the Manx 2 commuter flight from Belfast at Cork Airport. I was on the air that day um, and the story began to break a few minutes before 10. The, the crash happened at 10 to 10 and it began to break literally within within minutes, if not seconds. And one of the first voices on the air with me that day on his way to the scene. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, describing what he knew at that point was Barry Roach of the Irish Times. Barry, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good. Take me back. It was an awful tragedy. It it broke literally as we were all getting about our day's work. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I, I didn't realise it was 10 years um, today until you rang me, but I remember I was going into... Um, I think I was on my way into the Circuit Criminal Court for uh, some sentencing hearing and I got a phone call uh, on the hand three in the, the car and I headed up to the airport and uh, I think I got up there pretty early as it were before the diversions were put in place because Gardy put a very sophisticated I suppose and sort of professional operation in place diverting traffic keeping a clear run for the airport any ambulances coming from the airport down Forge Hill um, onto the airport Kinsale Road down Forge Hill across the flyover and, and Toker and out to CUH for the casualties, but my first recollection was that there were hearing that there were casualties. wasn't sure how many. Uh, managed to get into the airport, and from my recollection, I couldn't see anything. But I parked down to the left of the old terminal mm-hmm. and walked over there. I still don't recall have any great sort of sight of anything happening. But obviously, I was making phone calls, and the story was emerging that was a flight coming from Belfast, mm. um, a commuter flight, Manx to airline, mm. and that. Uh, there were casualties. It turned out there were 12 on board and six people were lost. The pilot, um, uh, Jordi Lopez, the Spanish national, and his co-pilot, Andrew Cantle from Sunderland, and then four passengers who died were um, an Englishman called Richard Noble from Yorkshire, Pat Cullinan from Belfast, Michael Evans from Belfast, and Brendan McAleese from Ballymena, and he, of course, was a cousin of um, President 
of President McAleese, Mary McAleese's husband, Martin. But the details were emerging sketchily enough that morning, I think. Uh, I think other reporters operated from the terminal building. I, from my recollection, stayed there. It was only late in the day I went into the terminal. Mm. And um, from my recollection, O'Sullivan, Pior, and Anne-Marie and Robin, I think, were handling queries about the whole tragedy. But it emerged that um, the plane was on a flight from Belfast City Airport. And uh, as we discovered later, when the air accident investigation uh, report emerged and uh, the inquest, um, there were 10 passengers and two crew on board. It was a twin turboprop plane, uh, an 18-seater Fairchild Metroliner, which was leased by Manx Air. And it was making its third attempt to land in low visibility with fog when it crashed and flipped over and burst into flames in a grass verge. Um, as I say, six people died. Uh, Gardy said those killed in the crash. I'm just looking back at my original report. Um, three were from the north, two mm. men resident in the UK and a Spanish national. To, to, to my memory, called. to my memory, Barry, it's the last time that the major emergency plan was invoked to the extent that it was on the day, wasn't it? I think you're probably right in that, PJ. Yeah. And obviously, it was a terrible tragedy in the loss of life, but the speed with which they got people to CUH and the firefighters from the airport firefighting teams got out there quickly and it could have been worse. Mm. You know, six people survived, six people were lost, but it could have been worse. Um, the air accident investigation unit under Jorgen White were done very quickly and they started looking at air traffic control tapes, radar information, weather reports, condition operation of the aircraft. Um, it was about a thousand feet down the runway when it um, caught fly or caught fire rather, uh, and they were looking to recover the flight re- that recorder and the cockpit cockpit voice recorder, and of course we heard all about that then at, later at the inquest. Um, no, with desperate tragedy, and oh, you know, for Cork Airport, really, uh, I suppose you have to go back to 1968 and the Tusker, the Tusker uh, yeah. air crash from yeah. 61 people for there to be anything comparable to this and even from a, a reporting point of view um, you know for people like um, I suppose Paul Byrne and Pascal Sheehy and Ralph Regal and uh, there was a Sean O'Riordan or whoever from the examiner on English and myself you know it was sort of first we had tragedies at sea I think alright right. but there would be another generation of reporters in Cork yourself uh, as well included in, the, in this generation as it were but yeah. people like the Cross and the Cogan who remember their in India They'd have had TPO Manny and Donald Musgrave, the late Donald Musgrave, Ray Ryan in North Cork. They'd have had Air Indian in 85. They would have had the Battle Jews in Bantry in 79. And, of course, they would have had um, Buttermint in 1980. So, you know, outside of the the, the fishing tragedies, I suppose we hadn't really covered anything. It was Uh, huge. It was was huge. I got uh, off the air here that day at midday and just went straight into reporter duty because it was just such a busy day. Yeah, I remember getting a phone call from Sky... News uh, at the scene. Uh, I, I mean, I never saw or heard. They just said a, a voice, but uh, it was that sort of level of, yeah. and it, it broke very quickly. Then internationally, as it were, Did and um, no, but you know, there was great credit due to the airport and the firefighting teams there and the emergency services and yes, you're, you're, you're right in saying that of the of the the twelve souls on board, six survived, and it is greatly due to the incredible efforts of the firefighters at the airport and the emergency services between there and the, the way they just literally yeah, closed. The only thing allowed in the roads was emergency vehicles. It was incredible. Yeah, I remember thinking like they, they had it in place that you came out the airport, the ambulance came out the airport straight down, stopped everything at Fort Chill, they, or sorry, they could go down Fort Chill across into Toker 
uh, from my recollection, and out to the CUH. And I remember talking afterwards, I, I can't remember was it that day or the following day, there was a press conference, and talking to somebody who'd been at the scene and saying the, 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 the smell of the um, aviation fuel was the thing yeah. that struck them about it all. You know, that there was a huge rank smell of aviation fuel. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we were well back from it, but um, no, it was... Um, but it's hurt, you know, 10 years ago, it seems. And then there was the whole issue about Mangsair and the leased aircraft and whoever was right. registered. There was a whole, I think, it, it, and the booking of tickets and so forth. It was, um, and you know, it was just, it wasn't it was a routine flight from Belfast to Cork at the time. It wasn't anything, any major international expedition, as it were, you know. It was just a, a routine commuter yeah. flight and ended so tragically. Indeed, indeed. Barry, thank you for helping us to recall that tragic day. Uh, thank you very much. Barry Roach of the Irish Times. Uh, ten years ago this morning um, and our thoughts with the six that died with their families and their friends and indeed we hope that those who survived went on to make a full recovery do you ever recover from anything like that I doubt that you do 1850 reports of Schnachte if I look out the window here at Broadcasting House towards the aforementioned airport uh, you can see the top of the hill today, which you couldn't yesterday. And there's a little bit of schnachter in them dark fields up there. But Aidan from Cork in the 80s has put up a photograph. There's schnachter ectitum in Carrigaline. Now, it isn't exactly sticking to the ground, but it's sticking to the cars. But it wasn't it. Alan from Carla Weather was telling us that tomorrow is when we can expect it to hit. But I think he's updated his forecasts. Uh, this morning if his Twitter's anything to go by and it looks as if we're in line more for rain over the weekend than anything in the form of snow and in actual fact so much bloody rain could fall we could be facing floods oh help 1850 here's a funny one Paddy Quinlan from that wonderful wonderful place Funky, funky Town down in Funky Fountains Town um, yeah, when did you lose the kayak, Paddy? Good morning. Morning, Peter. How are you? How are you? When did you lose the kayak? Uh, just before Christmas there, there was, uh, there was an unusual, there was about two weeks, that there was a big, huge pot of dolphins in, so we, um, we were in and out every morning, and my, my wife, she, <laughs> It's very rare. I win an argument. <laughs> she, she she brought up the kayak and she came up to me and she said, the, the kayak is gone and put it up in the beach. So I, I pulled it way up in the beach and the wind had after picked up and the tide had picked up as well. So I, I said, look, I guarantee that's going on to see that there's no way somebody will come down and, and rob it in that space of time, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, so then we're... Last week, then we're sitting at the table, and an, and an email came in from the guy, and he said, "You're not missing the kayak by any chance, are you?" <laughs> <laughs> and I read the email, and the address was Wales, on it. <laughs> I, I, could, I couldn't control myself. I was drinking my tears. It was washed up. Where, where, where in Wales was it over, washed? Over by St David's, there, over in, um, over in Wales. Laughter made the whole journey over. And we were, we were only talking about it a couple of days previously, just of where actually would the thing end up. Yeah. <laughs> but it was comedy gold. Like, just, even the kayaks are making a break for a holiday. It <laughs> <laughs> is true. It is true. Yeah. yeah, we were only talking yesterday, the day before, about the MVL. You nearly had your own one. Oh. Yeah, Jesus, God. It's, it's, it's crazy. 
But yeah. it's, it's, the only, it's the only kayak to make it across the Irish Sea without a paddle. <laughs> <laughs> Paddy, when when will Funky Town be able to open again? I suppose everything oh. is down to not just weather and summer and spring, but because you you have a fairly long old season there, you open up usually yeah. around May, don't you? We got we got well. It's, it's usually March that we start. Like we got we got seven weeks we managed to get last year. Yeah. Um, with all the restrictions and stuff, so we're hoping any year. It's the same as everyone. Any, anything, anything will do now as long as we get to open the doors again. Yeah. Um, it's a long way. We got a few lovely weeks midsummer last year where the water was, was lovely great. and warm. It was great. It was amazing. Everybody, everybody being starved of a bit of uh, a bit of outdoor action, a bit of yeah. bit of fresh air. The, the whole place was thronged down here and packed, you know, which, yeah. was, which was great. Great to see. Great to see. Well, here's hoping. Good luck. Good luck to you and, and everybody else down there, Paddy. Thanks very much. And we'll we'll, we'll pop down to say hello when when you're open, Paddy Quinlan from Funky Town Adventure Centre in Funky, beautiful Fountain Sound. Here's hoping that if we we look, lads, we won't be going anywhere this summer. We won't. Like we won't. We'd be lucky to get out of our county before the summer. Wherever we get after that, Lord and no one knows. But we certainly won't believe in this island of ours. So get thyself to Fountainstown. Uh, and on a sunny evening where the water is in, when the tide is in, in Fountainstown, on a sunny evening in July or August, and get a coffee from Angela's and pop across and park your arse on the wall and look out to sea, or better still, get your clothes off and get in. It's lovely. It's lovely. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See Ie. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the program. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Courts 96 FM. Just on the subject of the air tragedy 10 years ago today at Cork Airport, someone has called to remind us of another crash at Cork Airport in 1964. Uh, the pilot and three members of a Yall family killed after the light aircraft they were travelling in, got into difficulty just seconds after takeoff. That is new to my knowledge. Thank you for that one. Uh, of course, Barry mentioned the Viscounts and Phelan, the Tusker Rock tragedy of 1968. I became hugely interested in that story uh, through my late friend, Frank O'Brien, whose uncle was on that plane. Uh, and the answers to that have never been given. Uh, and some someday we will know. But that was the biggest one that I remember. And then, of course, the Manx Air. Uh, 10 years ago today. 1850-715-996. I mentioned this at the top of the programme because it broke in news this morning. You remember a few weeks ago, uh, we were talking, um, in fairness, last year, it was pointed out that if you were getting a PUP, a PUP payment of 350 quid a week, that there was a tax implication for you come the end of all of this. And 
financial experts were saying back in maybe May or June of last year, look, if you can afford to put something away, do because the taxman is going to want their chunk back because they gave it out tax-free to speed it up and all of that. Then a few weeks ago, we, we thought that, well, when this does become due, that you'll have up to four years to pay it and that it'll just be written off against your tax credits. So, you know, you won't owe them anything like huge amount of money and you'll pay it off over four or five years. Now, there has been a massive change in that, or at least it looks like a change to me, in that now, I'm reading from independent.ie, hundreds of thousands of people receiving this payment are in for a nasty shock. If they return to work, they'll have to pay all the income tax due this year. Charlie Weston, personal finance editor with the Indo. Charlie, is this a change of tack? Good morning. It is. Good morning, yeah. It is a change of tack. I mean, last year, as you say, it was a new payment. Um, it, it was an emergency payment. They, it was recognition that people were in financial distress, and people were given options about the tax because the, the, you know it, it was only after the thing had been set up that people were told about the tax implications. Like late in the day in September, and arrangements were put in place to make it easy to pay back the tax. You had four options. You were given four options. You were if you're if you're a PYE worker, this is employed to the self-employed. But if you're a PYE worker, you were told, look, you, you could. Um, your employer employer could pay it, and there'd be no benefit in kind tax. Now, <clears throat> most employers can't pay it, but you could pay it yourself. Uh, that was an option. Uh, the other option was, look, at you could offset it against maybe a tax refund you're going to get for, for medical expenses or something like that. Mm. Or the other alternative was, look, at, you can wait a year, and you can and uh, from from next year you, you you can spread it over four years, yeah. and there'd be no interest applied to that. So that was a nice one. Now, four years, you'll have four years to pay this. Uh, you know, the, it'll come down. To, if you're paid weekly, the weekly amounts won't be huge. This year, they said, no, we're not offering those options anymore. You pay it this year. It, it pay, it's to be paid in what they call real time. So if you're... Why the, the change, package, Charlie? Well, they're saying, look, this is always the way we do this. You know, we always tax uh, social welfare payments. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, we have to regularise the situation is what they're saying. They don't seem to recognise the hardship this is causing. They kept telling me yesterday there was nothing in this. This is just what we normally do. I had to find out about this. They didn't announce this, this which I find extraordinary. Uh, and they're saying, look, at, you know, this is what we always do. We're just going back to, to the, uh, the way we normally do, do these things. But there's a number of factors here which they haven't taken into account in revenue, and that is these payments are large, up to 350 euros a week so the tax bill would be big the other thing is that uh with if you're on job seekers benefit the first 13 euros and any payments for children for dependents are, are disregarded for tax purposes that's not happening with pop so you know you're taxable on the whole lot and the other thing is if you go back to work uh your tax credits now are going to be readjusted you'll be hit really hard now with tax your tax credit is essentially the amount you can earn before you pay any tax yeah so that tax credit now is going to be heavily reduced. So when you do go back into work, given all the uncertainty, all the that's going on, you'll find that you're, you're paying tax through the nose here. Alternatively, what's happening with some people is if they're jointly assessed, if one of them's getting the pop and the other isn't, the partner who's in a job is finding that their tax credits have been reduced. Now, I've been, yeah. to, I've been talking to people where it looks bad enough we lost one income in the household. Yeah. Now our tax credits are being reduced. My tax credits are down by 70 euros a week. I mean, so... Just CAC handled, handled by revenue. They didn't explain this to people. It's coming as a shock. People shouldn't have to find this out through the independent. You know, I know that's what I do, but yeah. revenue should be out there explaining this. But to Charlie, it's complicated. 
someone someone messed up on this as well because a couple of weeks ago um, we were very confident that anyone with a tax bill would be able to pay it back over a number of years. So, d- d- who misinformed whom here? No, no, no. that's still the case for last year's pop payments. Oh. Last year's pay- pop payments, you have four years to pay that back. But that's only last year. So, from March last year, when the pop came in, till the end of December, that the, any tax due on those pop payments for last year, you still have four years to pay those back. That's even going to confuse things more. Yeah, no, it's just that this year, if you're on the pop this year, it has to be paid this year. You have no options this year to, to spread it out over four years. So maybe I didn't explain that properly. So the change is essentially last year, it was an arrangement in place. You were given a bit of leeway. Uh, you, 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 one of the options was you could pay it back over four years if it got pup last year. If you're on pup this year, those options are not available. The tax will have to be paid this year one way or the other. You either pay it back yourself uh, uh, or your tax credits are, and tax bans are adjusted or else if you're jointly assessed, your partner's tax credits will be adjusted. So, But by the end of this year, it has to be paid. They're not giving you an option. The yeah. only situation where that won't happen is if there's only one income in the household and, and it's only pup, well, they can't take, take, take tax off you. It'll, it'll have to sit there as a liability. So this is going to cause an absolute storm. This is going to really drive people insane. And here's a question for you. Is this something that, like, if the option was there last year, then obviously there's a legal route to put the option there this year. Is this something that the Minister for Finance, Pascal Donoghue, can turn around and say to Revenue, "Ah, uh-uh, we're doing it like we did it last year and that's how it shall be done? Does he have those powers? He could, he could discuss that with Revenue. I mean, it's a revenue matter and he's not usually at liberty to tell Revenue what to do on tax matters. You know, the legislation is there. There's, a, there's an arm's length thing where he can't kind of order them not to collect tax or whatever. Uh, so, but he could, there could be discussions that could come, up to, come to a new arrangement. If there's pressure on politically here, some changes will be made. Now, it's a thorny one because... Yeah. Um, because know, the strange thing is, if they were able to do it, I'd be, if they were able to do it last year, what changed? Well, they're saying, look, it was an emergency last year. We took a while to get to grips with it. Uh, you know, we realised it was a new thing. Pup was a completely new payment. We realised people were under financial distress and we made arrangements last year. But this year... Saying, As if that's gone away all of a sudden, yeah? They didn't expect it to last into this year. Didn't expect a new lockdown this year, I think. So they're caught on the hop and they decided, OK, uh, we, we have to go back to the way we normally treat these things. The tax is due in the year. If you get a social welfare payment, the tax is due in the same year that you got the social welfare payment. You, you don't have the option to you know, pay it back over four years. They could go back to that, but it would cause problems as well because it would mean people would be you know, building up very big tax liabilities and, 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 and uh, even though they'd have four years to pay it, there'd be big bills there. So I think they've created a mess here. I think as usual, revenue with their two clunky big boots have jumped in here without taking this one through. They just didn't expect a new lockdown and they got caught on this and now they're saying to people, if you get pup this year, you have to pay the tax on it this year. We gave you options last year if you were on pup last year. That doesn't apply this year. Yeah, and there's almost 50,000 people on pup no, in Cork at the moment. Yeah, oh, in Cork sorry. alone, oh, Charlie, at the moment. Sorry, 50, yes. 50,000 people. And, like, if you're getting 350 euro, this is obviously a basic question. It's more nuanced than this. But if I'm getting 350 euro basic into my hand as a PUP, how much tax is, is due on that in the course of an average week? 
Yeah, well, a full year that would work out at about eighteen thousand two hundred euros. So it's about eighteen grand if you get if you're on it for a whole year, you get three hundred and fifty euros. If for a whole year, it's about eighteen thousand euros. You wouldn't end up having to pay back about you'd, you'd lose about seventy euros in tax credits. You'd have an extra tax uh, bill of seventy euros a week, seventy euros a week to pay uh, to, 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 to to meet that tax bill. And that's a revenue figure, and it's confirmed to me by Chartered uh, Accountants Ireland. So, you know, uh, it, 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 this is big. This is very, very big. And we're talking about somebody there on, on 20% tax. So, you know, I, I think this is a, 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 a very cack-handedly handled. Yeah. They really need to explain this to people. It's, it's immensely complex. People you, don't get it. You, you say that the minister can't intervene directly. He's got to take a hands-off approach. But he certainly needs to make some kind of a statement here, doesn't he? Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I already see the, uh, the likes of Sean Sherlock there of Labour coming out and um, saying, you know, something needs to be done on this. I think there's going to be pressure coming on the, the minister today and revenue to come up with some sort of accommodation for people here. This is, we're in an, 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 a horrible situation. People have been, have had their businesses shut down. Uh, people have been put out of work by, you know, we know why and there's good reason. But, you know, they've been ordered not to go to work. Dreadful. So, L- lastly and briefly, Charlie, for people whose work is subsidised, yeah, will this apply? Subsidy. Yeah, it looks like it's going to apply to the wage subsidy as well. Oh, now, that, is, that has changed anyway this year. They are taxing that at source now. So the new, the, the old wage subsidy scheme, the temporary employment, temporary wage subsidy scheme, TWSS, temporary wage subsidy scheme, under that one, you weren't having the tax taken out when you got paid. It wasn't taken out at source. But the new one that's replaced that, the employment empl- employment wage subsidy, they are taking tax out of that okay. source. So that won't be an issue. That won't arise on that one. It's essentially here, the issue here is about the pub payment, which half a million people are on. Okay. All right, listen, Charlie, thank you very much for explaining it to us. Charlie Weston, personal finance editor with the Irish Independence. If you got pub last year, you can pay that, pa- that tax back over the next few years. But if you're still on pub for this year, as soon as you go back to work, they're going to whip money out of your tax credits to pay it back uh, it was revenue's decision they, they gave a break last year but they've decided not to do it this year we'll see where that one goes 1850715996 just before we go to the news just one more memory and we'll have a couple more of Ted I always associate this song with Ted for, for the simple reason that many many years ago when I was a jobbing DJ in one of the clubs in Cork his, his then girlfriend Sheila was a regular and she loved this song and she would ask me for it time and time and time again and one night I had a second copy of it I don't know why I had a second copy of it I said here go away take it get out of my sight I've played it 20 times it will always remind me of Ted Dunn quick lash of this up to the news Maria Vidal body rock in memory of a bit of a legend Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. It's utterly Baltic, absolutely Baltic out there at the moment. Wind chill factor of several degrees below that minus one. It's cold, but what we're hearing is that we won't get much schnapped. Although there's uh, some nice picture in, was it uh, 
Lucy in Yall sent in a nice picture of some Schnachta in Yall at the moment. We won't get a whole pile. It looks as if... Remember this battle we were talking about between the two weather systems? The really cold air coming down from the east and the wet and stormy and nasty stuff that we're more used to coming in from the southwest and they were going to meet in the middle and whichever one won that battle, uh, we'd get the outcome. Well, it looks as if the wind and the rain might win that battle over the next uh, 24 hours or so. It, it, look, it's all changing by the hour, but that's where it looks like right now. But certainly no beast from the east, no repeat of fellas snowboarding down Patrick's Hill. That won't be happening, this time at least. 1857 the number, the text of WhatsApp 083 396 96 the email opinion at 96fm.ie. If you missed any part of our first two hours, remember the podcast will be available for you in mid-afternoon. We'll tweet the link as soon as it's ready and then it goes to all of our various platforms, including the Cork's 96FM app. Follow it on whatever platform you want. Subscribe to it and it'll be updated for you every afternoon without fail and without costing you a cent. Good morning. Just to say, I read in The Independent that Taoiseach will need a vaccine if he goes to the US for St. Patrick's Day. Imagine that. Yeah, he will. That's a, it's a White House protocol now that in order to come into the Oval Office and work and meet anyone in there, you have to be vaccinated now. Uh, so he'll at least have to be vaccinated if he goes. I've been saying for this week, this last couple of weeks, and I stand over it, I don't believe he should go. I don't believe he should go at all under the circumstances. I believe there's nothing can't be done in the Oval Office on Patrick's Day that couldn't be done from the American Embassy, from their communications room and done by Skype. But the chances are he probably will go. That's how it is. But he has to be vaccinated first. That's correct. Some queries in about the pop and the tax. I'll get to them in just a sec. But if you're a bit like me and the prospect of anything more than a very minor DIY job fills you with fear, then the prospect of going on telly uh, is, is a no-no. It's, in fact, I take a cold shower in the morning before I go on telly to display my lack of DIY skills. But RTE have the big DIY challenge Starting again, PJ Gallagher, good morning to you. Good morning to you. Thanks for having us on the show. This is a programme that I would never be able for. <laughs> it's a programme I'm hardly able for. Let's be honest. I, you sound like your DIY skills and my DIY skills are very, very similar, to be quite honest with you. Uh, most of my DIY is done in dark places like attics that will never really be seen by anybody. Well, you're, de- you're ahead of me then because uh, I just, if I have a problem at home, I just learn to live around it. Like, if I, if the bulb went to my hall about six months ago and I just kind of thought, I just decided I don't need to see in the hall anymore. So, like, that'll show you how bad my own skills are and why I'm looking for people who are actually a lot better than I am. So, how does this program work, PJ? Uh, so, it's, uh, so, you have 10 days to do a DIY challenge of your choice in your home. It can be literally anything at all. Uh, it just has to be done within those 10 days. And if it's the best one or if it's selected as a, as a particularly good challenge, you can win €10,000. Uh, and it's really that simple, to be quite honest. Uh, you may get a socially distant visit from us as it's happening uh, to come around and have a look and see what you're doing. And, uh, and that's kind of it. So I suppose we're looking for everything. And I do mean absolutely everything. So there's a lot of people got into DIY, never touched a hammer before lockdown happened. Yeah. Uh, so all those people may want to get stuck in and have a well, go. We, we, we spoke to a few of them here, built pubs. Oh, yeah, yeah. People building their little, um, sort of turning their sheds into a little pub for the family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a lot of those were great, you know. That's, that's exactly the type of thing, I suppose. And uh, a lot of people really, I suppose, are at home now and they've found themselves, they want a workspace. 
So we're imagining there'll be people doing that, building a little home office for themselves or maybe people building a little outdoor area for themselves from the summer. Uh, and there is 10,000 quid at stake. So it's, if it pays off, it pays off for you big time, you know? Right. So you're casting at the moment for the show. We're casting. That's the big thing, yeah. So we're looking for people to get involved. And uh, if you want to get involved, you just go to rte.ie forward slash lifestyle and click the big DIY challenge. There's a mouthful for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and have a go. But it won't be just... Uh, it doesn't have to be... Um, you know, with a lot of these shows, somebody called Dermot arrives, a Dermot Bannon or a Dermot Gavin, and they're experts, and they tell you something's going to cost an awful lot of money, and you get stuck in, and there's all these big deadlines. But this is different to that. So this is you, your own place, 10,000 euros, 10 days, and all abilities, and loads of different categories. So it won't be just one overall winner. So if you're someone that's just having a go, you're just a have-a-go hero, we'd love to hear from you as well. Right, and do you have to supply all of the materials and tools yourself? Oh, you do, yeah. It's a DIY job, yeah. You've got to go, you've got to get stuck in in your own house, yeah, because we won't be knocking around to give you angle grinders or anything. It's got to be really? your own project, yeah. You're and coming you're for a look and a laugh. Yeah, we're coming for a look and a laugh. You're all going to hopefully have a look and a laugh in with you as well. But it's your own project, so maybe it's something you've wanted to do for ages and you've been threatening to get around to it for a long time, but you haven't actually started or... You know, someone else in the house has been nagging you to get something done. That type of thing. And assuming that lockdown allows for it to be filmed and all that and filmed properly, when is it likely to go to air? Oh, in, in the summer sometime. So it'll be a summer scheduled show. So uh, so we're just, that's what we have now 10 days in March to film it. And then it's, you can sit back and uh, enjoy not only our projects, but you're watching your project unfold on TV in the summer. All right. Listen, hopefully it'll get a good response. Thanks for that. That's PJ Gallagher. Uh, RTE.ie forward slash lifestyle and click on to the big DIY challenge if you fancy such a challenge. 1850 Talking to Charlie Weston before the news about this change in tax on the PUP. If you got PUP in 2020, then the tax that you're due on it, you have the next number of years to pay. But if you're getting PUP now for 2021, and if you continue on it for the next couple of weeks and months, which is more than likely you will, you'll have to pay all of that tax when you go back to work. And it'll be knocked off your tax credits now, Charlie was saying that someone on a PUP of 350 a week could find, could find their tax credits cut by as much as 60 or 70 quid a week. Like, that's mad. And they want it all back, and they want it all back this year. As they say, they want it taxed in real time. They were able to make an exception for last year. This is revenue now, not government. They made an exception for last year, gave people a few years, but they've decided this year that they'll collect it in real time. Uh, about that, 60, 70 quid a week. It'll vary per person, obviously, but that, that's what some... Kevin says this will drive thousands of families below the poverty line. It's not even debatable. Some country this is. Where are all the revenue staff, by the way, at the moment? Are they all working from home? Can't seem to get hold of them. John just got a revised tax cert with reduced credit for PUP in 2021. I didn't receive that payment in 2020, so now I'm paying for PUP in advance... And as a part-time worker, this is a huge chunk of my already low pay. But certainly a load of people are going to find their tax credits slashed if they're on PUP this part of 2021. When they eventually go back to work, as look, hopefully this damn thing will be over. We'll all be vaccinated. We'll all be safe to go back to work again. Then the tax bill will hit and it's going to hurt a lot of people. Can anything be done about it? Not for me to say.
the minister, as Charlie Weston said, can't necessarily knock on the door of revenue and say, hey, you, you need to change this. But at least he's got to... He's got to address it somehow, doesn't he? 1850-715-996. You know what? Tens of thousands of you are listening to the radio. There's this old belief out there that radio is a thing of the past. Hey, listen, it isn't. We're all still here doing our jobs every day. But that radio's on the wane as a, as a medium where people go for their news, their chat, their content, their current affairs. That is not true. And there are figures to prove it which, in fact, show... That radio is a huge favourite in Ireland. I want to discuss it briefly next. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Up the country, they've got a lot of snow. They've got a lot of snow in West Cork. I've seen people building snowmen, snow, snow persons. Yes, because ice has no gender. Of course, so because they're fluid. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're gender fluid. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with No DC Cars Blackpool, exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noldc.com. Open twenty four seven. Cork's ninety six FM. This is a massive piece of research by the JNLR who say that 81% of Irish people still tune into radio every day. Every single day, including 7 out of 10 of 15 to 24 year olds who we all thought were lost to Spotify a long time ago. That's not the case. And radio is still very popular, which I guess keeps us all in jobs. And it's great to hear. Scott Williams is Group Content Director with Wireless Ireland, which is part of our group of radio stations. He's also the independent chair of the JNLR. These are good figures, Scott. Good morning. They are sensational figures, PJ. And I was listening with interest when you said 81% of Irish people tune into radio every day. My personal opinion is the other 19% just forgot that they did because uh, radio's everywhere. Look, there are people listening to you on, on Cork's 96FM this morning, on FM radios all across the city and county. They're listening on mobiles, on phones, on smart speakers, all sorts of digital devices, websites, and everywhere uh, in between. But the important point, takeaway from this this morning is that what they're listening to is Irish radio and Irish radio content, like your own show, like all of the other shows right across the country, local, national and community. It's radio and Irish people love it. At a time when the industry globally is struggling a little bit to keep listeners, how, how come we're doing so well in Ireland, Scott? I think we're doing well in Ireland, PJ, because quite frankly, the, the quality of the output, I think that local radio in particular uh, in this country uh, understands its market. When you, when you look, and the evidence of that will be the high market shares that are delivered right across Ireland, and no more especially uh, than there in Cork. And Cork has the highest interaction, the highest consumption figures, the highest reach uh, of all of the franchise areas. I think it's because the broadcasters, like yourselves and like all the other radio stations, understand what listeners want and listeners vote with their ears uh, PJ whether it's with their mobile phone their smart speaker or their car radio mm. and they're choosing radio the digital platforms are important though people do listen on their phone and on their phone they have a global choice but they're still coming back to their local radio station they are um, because you see 
you can listen to something. Uh, I mean, a long, long time ago, you would listen to foreign radio stations on radio sets, and you might remember it, and I might remember it, and younger people may not remember it, but there was the joy of picking up something distant that was kind of interesting. Going across the internet and clicking links or going into aggregator apps or wherever it might be and finding this stuff is kind of interesting, but it's not relevant, you see, as, as, as your local broadcasting. And on the digital platforms, what we're seeing, and the figures show here, is that, yes, people are listening to radio, but they're consuming the radio on the platform. They're not listening to digital devices because they don't are, are no longer interested in FM. They're listening across both. And the figures, with the 17.2%, not to bamboozle anybody with any staff other than that one this morning, 17.2% of the time that under 25 spend listening, they do that on a digital device, but they're listening to the radio. Mm. And another myth that this uh, survey bursts is that young people have given up on radio. They haven't. They haven't. Um, we would all know that um, there, there's an urban myth, if you like, uh, that everybody listens to streaming services like Spotify, for example. It's specific. 70% of those young people are listening to the Irish radio output every single day uh, across FM and digital devices. And the comparison to that is that 38% of that group uh, listen to Spotify. But see, the thing is, Peter, you can't get Spotify on the car radio unless you go through jiggery poker or Bluetooth and you certainly can't get it on the kitchen wireless. Yeah. Yeah, despite all the new gadgets that are coming out, like smart speakers, a lot of our content now, a lot of people listen to us on smart speakers, they have an even bigger choice then, but they still come back to radio. They come back to radio and, I mean, they will listen to the opinion line on a smart speaker because I want to hear the opinion line. And I'll go to the most um, convenient and efficient device at any given point in time, depending on, on who I am. And, and yes, uh, age group demographics will, will decide that. But you see, the thing about the, the smart speaker is, it's, I think we need to consider the phenomenon of itself. It, it is a device and it, it will, it is starting to slowly uh, impact and change uh, the listening experience to some degree. A bit like when the mobile phone arrived almost, you know, 94 years ago, um, and you put that in your pocket. The smart speaker is a bit like uh, a kitchen radio that your granny perhaps had, is that in a modern domestic environment, the smart speaker it's unobtrusive, it's easily wired in, it's efficient. And from the tech side of it, to add to that, PJ, um, the, the smart speaker is now at the hub of the smart home, turning yeah. on lights, closing garage doors, and listening to the words. Great, it's great. Listen, Scott, uh, good to talk to you. As always, that's Scott Williams. He's the Group Content Director of Wireless Ireland, which is, of course, part of our group of radio stations and the independent chair of the JNLR. And, uh, Scott, thank you very much for that. We're still alive and well. Radio is alive and well and living on your smart speaker or your phone or your old FM radio. 1850-715-996. On Ted Dunn, John Cashman was on to say, did some gardening for him. Uh, offers sympathy to Sheila, to TJ and to Lily. Ted would never wrong you. When evening came and the work was over, he'd come out and he'd chat about life. He never bothered you. If you needed some piece of information, though, he'd always be on the go. And he'd be the man who'd know or know how to find out. And I'll add to it, John, he'd come back to you. Could be two days later, could be two weeks later. But that little bit of information you wanted, he'd get it. He wouldn't tell you where he got it, but he'd get it. And if there was a number to be got, he'd have it got. And he'd give it to you. John said, you don't need many real friend, many friends in life. You just need one or two really good ones. Uh, and a lovely tribute to the late uh, Ted Dunn, who passed away yesterday. 
following a long battle, a long, long battle with COVID-19. Yeah, Lorraine was on uh, to say, just spoke to someone in the tax office, had no clue, they had no clue about this change in the PUB tax payback. Frankly, it's a joke. Uh, There are people like me who need to work and only financially, not only financially, but as a way of getting out of the house and doing something. The government in this country make it way too easy for people not to want to go back to work. Well, there's a thing. A lot of people don't want to be on the PUP. They'd rather go back to work and do whatever job they were doing, be it pulling pints or, or serving tables or any kind of a job at all that is closed, working in a shop, any kind of a job at all that is closed down and being replaced by a PUP. And the last thing they want is to find that when they go back to that job, many of which those jobs aren't very well-paying jobs anyway, the last thing they want to be expecting is a whopper of a tax bill. So this could well incentivize people to say, all right, Shaggett, I'm not going back at all. I'm not going back at all. And that's to see where Lorraine is coming from. Why would you want to go back when you realise that just because you've your job was closed, you had no choice in the matter, your job was closed, your boss had to bid you farewell for however long this all lasts, and this is for our health, public health, closure of business, it's for our health and we got to keep remembering that, but if your job has suffered as a result of it you're on a PUP the last thing you want is when you go back to that job, hopefully, whenever it is, be it in a hairdresser, whenever they open them or wherever that you're going to face a whopper of a tax bill that's just not fair not fair at all And they should at least consider doing what they did with the 2020 money. This is the thing, the 2020 money, you can pay the tax over a few years, not a bother. But the 2021 money, they'll take it back from you the minute you go back to work. 1850-715-996. Marion Wyatt has struck again with another marvellous piece of theatre which will be unleashed on the public this coming weekend. But of course, she's had to do it all in lockdown. She's paying tribute to one of the legends of Cork, Catty Barry, Queen of the Cold Cay. Talk to Marion about how she's done it and what it's about and where we can see it next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie Simon Murdoch and the best music mix Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. What do one in five Cork couples say they'll do this Valentine's? Hmm. Tell you more after midday and bring you the biggest tunes to fly you through Wednesday afternoon on Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now 083 96 9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Two of the most captivating and wonderful, joyful pieces of theatre in Cork in the last number of years have been two Marion Wyatt works, Shawleys and Dockers. I loved Shawleys, but I absolutely adored Dockers. And she's now brought out a new show about another Cork legend, Caddy Barry, Queen of the Cold Cay. But this, of course, has to be a show with a difference because it's coming out in pandemic times and we won't be able to cram the Everyman like we did for Shawleys or cram 
the Father Matthew Hall like we did for Dockers. But it still is hitting our screens this weekend, Marion. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Um, I'm delighted to see that it's finally come to fruition because I know you're working on it a very long time. Tell me the story. Well, it was on again, off again. I'm wondering whether it was ever going to hit a stage. But uh, we we prepared for it to open in the Cork Arts Theatre in October and that was postponed then to the Cork Arts Theatre again in December. And that then was had to be cancelled. We couldn't just postpone because nobody knew how long, you know, or how, how far forward it would be before a theatre could open again, which is very sad. Um, but we were... We were kind of uh, almost ready to open. And then I put it to the Cork Arts Theatre uh, manager, uh, Dolores Mannion, and spoke with my own people. And then we thought, well, if we could find money to film it, then that's what we'll do. And we will release it for online viewing if the quality is, is, is good enough. And that's exactly what we did. So we honoured the ninth or the the word premiere, which was our kind of handle for promoting. So we opened on the 9th of December Theatre to an empty auditorium, all but one person, and filmed it. And now we decided to hold it back then until St. Valentine's because essentially it's a story about a woman who loved her city, a city who... um, you know, enjoys all the stories and yeah. uh, they have a great love for her. For listeners who wouldn't know them. about Katy Barry, who was she? Tell me a little bit about her. Well, I wish I could tell you lots about her, but actually she really is the stuff of legend. Now, when I spoke with her family her, and people who grew up in the area where she spent her latter years, I managed to come up the, the human side of her and the very interesting side of a woman who, you know, had a family and loved sisters and nephews and all of that. But a lot of the stories I got were about her she being and all the going down <laughs> and all the the, 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 the wonderful fun. Um, and then I thought, she sounds like the same person to know. And oh, that line is going to drop on me. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yeah, she sounded like a wonderful person to know. Yes, and she, she, the spirit of her then was what I was trying to revisit for myself as a writer. And also, mm. I'm very attracted to strong women or women who have to be resourceful. Like, like who was she? As in, she, we heard about the she being and she, where was she from? What well, was she, she about, she, as it were? She was born, she, like, she was very lucky in that her father had a steady income and her mother ran a little huckster shop. She herself was born on Corn Market Street just straight across from Dalton's Avenue, you know, off, opposite Denny's Bar. Yes. Then behind Denny's Bar, um, she inherited, after her mother passed, the little huckster shop. And being the woman that she was, then she converted it into, well, in the play, I say it was a restaurant, but it was just somewhere where she sold crew beans and a couple of after-hour drinks, even though she had no licence to do so. Mm-hmm. But what was wonderful about her is that it didn't matter to her what your background was. She fed anyone 
who was hungry. And I love that about you because that we, I think nobody will ever go hungry in Cork because we're a kind of a people that will always open our doors and, you know, help people. And I found when I went down around corporation buildings and down Dalton's Avenue, um, you know, back in the day when I was trying to meet people on a one-to-one, the welcome that I got from people there was just phenomenal. And some of the stories were, you'd go, I know, come on, that's after growing a few legs. And then others were so funny, you'd, I'd be laughing so much, I would go, nobody would believe this if you put it into a play. But then I started to get the spirit and the character of the woman, and I thought, here we go. Catty Barry is not just Catty Barry. Catty Barry is the spirit of our city. And then that spirit of goodness and love and sharing and standing up on your own two feet, that goes out to the world. And I feel that... uh, Are you there, Peter? I am indeed. I'm listening. (laughs) I cannot wait to see this. You know, I I met... I remember going to Dockers and and just being blown against the back of the room. And the same with with Shawleys. I can't... And always in the shows, serious stories about serious things happening, but great hilarity as well. So you've done that again, and music for for Cathy. Well, that's life, isn't it? You know, um, we we bounce back. um, Music on this occasion... We have a little bit of nostalgia when she listened to her radio, but the score itself was uh, composed by Jimmy Bucky, who's a very young, up-and-coming and emerging musical director and composer. Now, he was the person that was involved in Dockers as well. Mm. But for this, I challenged him to pieces that would be evocative of her time, but also would connect with the emotion. You see, I was imagining... What was it like if this woman had a secret love that she never really got to, um, I don't mean embrace now or upon or anything, but that she 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 chose to stay where she was, but had actually had opportunities to go to go to foreign places, but chose to stay here yeah. in her own city. And so I kind of explored that. But to see, the other thing about her is that she was vivacious, gregarious, charming, full of intelligence and spark. And then she ended up almost penniless at the end of her life and ended up, and I'm going, how could that happen? And so the play explores that. And I'm really grateful to her family who have allowed me to share that story and to have encouraged me every step of the way by filling in the little blanks. Mm. And for me, as a writer, you know I always have loads of people on stage. But for this time round, I had to keep it really small. Because of course. You only have You're only five, like, isn't it? Only five in the cast, and one of those is the musical director. Now there are lots of characters, and I'm blessed with the cast because they play multi, yeah. multi-roles, and they're... they're you know, just their work ethic is amazing. Fantastic. So, and, so uh, when can, how can we get to see it and when? This is the one that was filmed now before Christmas for the premiere and we'll be able to see that film when and where and how. Well, what people need to do is go online to takeyourseats.ie and they follow the instructions there then. So you, you, you buy the ticket, you only need one for a household and then I believe you're given 24 hours to view it because it is a full-length play and some people might like to take a break in between. Mm. And I tell you, 
I'm so nervous, <laughs> but the excitement and the challenge of trying a new way of doing something has yeah. kept me going. And uh, I just hope that people take pleasure and enjoyment from it and that people, for instance, my own adults now, but they really weren't aware of this woman and certainly my grandchildren. But now I've put it out there and my team have put it there um, forever. Well, you brought the story of the Dockers to a whole new generation. Same with the choice. I've no doubt you'll do this with Cathy. So it's, it is takeyourseats.ie and you go through there, you buy your tickets, you get your link and it stays active. And when there's Friday, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, is it, Marion? Yes, yes, indeed. Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And, oh, sure, look, it's so exciting. And there's people from all over the world getting Brilliant. in touch with me now because, you know, our immigrants and people who are afar are thinking that it's going to give them... And uh, moreover, they can watch it anywhere in the world. I know, but that's frightening too. <laughs> but you look... You know, God bless us. We 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 give it a go. All right, I'm I'm so looking forward to seeing it, and and uh, and and I will be watching at the weekend with great interest. I'm a huge fan of what you do, Marion, and thank you very very much, Marion Wyatt, writer, director, and producer of Caddy Barry, Queen of the Cold Cave. If you liked Dockers, and if you liked Shawleys, and if you like our Cork history and our Cork characters, our Cork wit, our Cork music, if you like what we are about Cork. Takeyourseats.ie 1850 996 Just some stuff on uh, Pop uh, We've had a few people challenging me on, on the figure um, the 70 euro per week Now they're making the point that 70 euro is based on a full year which hopefully they won't be on and when you take into account tax credits and other such things it'll be less than 70 euro a week The point that Charlie Weston was making on the phone is that that's the worst case scenario Hopefully, people will be back to work long before that would be anything like a real figure. But that's the potential for it to be. Deirdre says, uh, Hi, PJ, please get the facts right regarding the tax that will be charged on PUP, which may work out to be 70. First, that it's based if they received a full year's PUP, which hopefully they won't be on for the year. That's true. Secondly, your expert forgot to deduct a person's yearly tax credit when calculating this, which for an average person, 3,300. Please don't frighten people. I agree it's bad the revenue are doing this, but it's not going to be as high as your experts suggested. It may work out to be €10 approximately, depending on employers' individual tax credits and the salary they're returning to, says Deirdre. Thank you, Deirdre. You know what? You're following a story like this. More facts come in as you go along. On the initial reading of it, that's what Charlie Weston was saying is the worst case scenario. But thank you, it won't be it probably won't be anything like the worst case scenario for a lot of people. The story is of course, Deirdre, that last year, if you were on a PUP, the revenue were allowing you to wait a couple of years and pay it over a few years. They're not willing to do that now. Therein lies the story. But thank you for the detail. John, uh, can you please tell PJ stop writing people about their tax on PUP. It may be seventy a week. But a single person is entitled to 63.46 tax credit per week, etc., etc. Uh, this is for a single person. PUP was paid from my taxes for people to stay at home. Again, John, detail, devil's in the detail. Devil's in the detail. In a worst case scenario, if you were on PUP for a full year, you could be facing up to 70 euro a week. It won't be that for anybody. The point being made is what has caused revenue to change its mind now? 
That's the question that needs to be asked. 1850-715-996. I want to finish today uh, by talking about uh, the late Ted Dunn um, and talking to some people that worked with him and that knew him and for whom he was a friend uh, uh, because you'll have heard by now, I've mentioned it a couple of times and it made news this morning. The death was announced last evening of Ted Dunn uh, and uh, it's only right and proper and fitting that we mark it properly. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Oh, take the Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon is back. Our favourite fundraiser returns this May to raise money for Cork Cancer Services. We hope you'll include our Radiothon in your 2021 events calendar. There are many ways to play your part. Organise a virtual coffee break, a no-uniform day, or gather all those loose coins with our change collector boxes. Stay listening for more details on how to raise funds. The 2021 Giving for Living Radiothon, May 20th to 22nd. Only on Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM. As I said earlier, Ted Dunn was involved in entertainment all his life. Um, Starting as a DJ, but developing a multifaceted business encompassing every element of the entertainment industry, the city, the county, Munster, all over the country. But uh, he had a particular fondness for many places, one of them being the Vienna Woods Hotel, which was kind of his local, because he lived for most of his life in in Glanmire. Michael Magner uh, from the Vienna Woods. It's a sad day, isn't it, Michael? Good morning. Good morning, uh, PJ. Very sad day. Um, I think one of the trailblazers of his generation has left us. Um, and uh, it's a sad day and over the last couple of days we've been hoping and praying against hope that he'd have been able to come through this biggest challenge he had of his life and unfortunately it wasn't to be and uh, today is a sad day for, for all of us in hospitality and in the entertainment industry um, I'm, I'm originally from West Limerick myself PJ and I suppose adapted by or adopted by the people of Cork but growing up in West Limerick uh, close to the town of Natasha West yeah. Ted was the resident DJ in a local nightclub called Xanadu's right. and my god I can remember queuing to get into that nightclub because Ted Dunn was the resident DJ he just had this amazing ability to try and bring the crowd together and he just knew how to read a room and even here at the hotel over the years and we said this in a post that we dedicated to him last night on our, our Facebook page he just had this in, innate ability to read a room understand what his audience wanted and before long a dance floor or the atmosphere was alive and it, it was electric and while the people created the noise and, and the, the, the excitement and the bustle, he was the catalyst in it. He was just an amazing man and we're heartbroken here in, in the hotel. All my team have been with me for a very long time and they've remembered Ted coming in through the doors of the hotel and I remember recalling actually to members of his family recently about how kind he was to us over the years yeah. back in 2009 and 10 and 11 when things were really tough for business. Ted was always there supporting you and maybe there was times when he had to wait for his new bob. He never, ever 
ever turned down um, any call we made to him to try and help us through. And that was an amazing testament mm. to the man. And just to give you another example, uh, PJ, of, of, of how dedicated he was to people here in the hotel back in October 2019, we had an issue with our, our microphone or our, our, our sound system in the hotel on the day of a wedding. And the speeches were just about to start and the amplifier blew. Now we've since started the problem for any other wedding couples that might be listening. But in any case, I said, oh my God, what am I going to do? I had no backup system. So I put a call into Tate and got an international ringtone, was just about to hang up the phone when he went on the phone. And his typical way of answering the phone would be, Michael. And I said, Jesus, said, I'm about to hang up the phone. He said, are you all right? And I said, go away, go away. And he says, no. He said, I said, are you away? And he said, um, I, I'm in Thailand. And I said, Jesus, I said, go away and enjoy your holiday or whatever. And he said, no, what's wrong? And I explained to him what was wrong. And within a half an hour, he had Robbie, one of the lads that worked with him, here on site with a backup system to get us through our event. And that was a testament to the man that he was. And in any engagement that I ever had with Ted, he always spoke so well of the lads that he had working with them. And he was a mentor to these young aspiring DJs. And you probably can recall that through your time as well. He poached me uh, from another agency. I was working for another guy who remains a friend to this day, a guy called John Barry. I was working for John in the 80s and Ted approached me and to come working for him. And I was booked out with John for weeks and weeks heading up to Christmas. He said, look, come working with me in January. At least we'll sit down and talk in January. That began a 12 to 15 year working relationship. I went all over the country with Ted Dunn. Yes, I can imagine. And even speaking to some people we know through the industry, talking to them in text messages last night from various bands and stuff. There was a real circuit and a collection of, of friendships that were created through back in the, the 80s and the early 90s, which where you'd be finished gigs and you'd often start off in, in, in roadside cafes for want of a better term and you'd be getting, tracing on to your next gig or whatever and Ted was so fondly remembered in, in that context. Would any lad or person, young DJ that he'd work on with him, they always spoke so highly of Ted because he encouraged them mm. he mentored them and he, as his business grew, not just into DJing but into Ted doing entertainments, he'd often contact me and say, listen, I'm after investing in this new idea or product and I said, Jesus, come here, talk to me about it not just from the, the, the photo book but the, the smoking dance floors um, and the, the, the panel dance floors and he was always thinking ahead of, yeah. and outside of the box and I suppose in recent years he, he and Sheila and his family had an opportunity to travel and see the world and he was bringing these ideas back from other places around right. the world and you looked at him and said Geez, this guy has boundless energy where is he getting these ideas from and uh, he'd be sorely missed and yeah. I think one of the most important things about Ted is he never lost the fact and the love he had for his family and any time you'd speak with Ted, there wasn't a conversation where he didn't mention Sheila, his wife, and his daughter, Lily, and son, TJ. They were just, they were the beacon of his life, and they were what motivated him, really, right. apart from the, 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 the people that he met in the industry. That's and right. we were just very sad. It's, just it's, very, it's, it's very sad. sad. It's very sad day, Michael. Thank you for being with us today, and my condolences. I know he was a good friend of yours, as he was of mine, and, and he loved Vienna Woods, and any time he'd send me to Vienna Woods, he'd say, be careful now, that's one of the best places. Uh, do a good one there. Do a good one there. Another man. And it, this, of all the gigs Ted did, this I think was his favourite gig uh, when he was thinking about retiring from the game. This was his favourite gig. Larry Tompkins, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How are you? Good. I covered for Ted once or twice. I had the privilege to cover for him in your place once or twice. He had a special gig in there and he loved it very much. But you and him were good pals. Ah, yes. So look, we're, we're hard. Uh, Everyone uh, from far and wide, like. Uh, 
to his lovely wife Sheila, his kids that I've mentioned, TJ, Lily, brilliant people. And just Ted, Ted was just one of these people. Like it just, he was an exception. Like he just, the minute he entered the the place, like it was like just, you know, everybody looked, everybody, you know, he he shook the ground, and um, he was just immense. So yeah, I just couldn't talk enough about him. Like he was just such a gentleman. And uh, how did you meet him he, first, Larry? Uh, look, he's been. Uh, so was business wise, he's with me since I really started in, uh, there in Lavatsky, which is about over twenty years now, twenty one or twenty two years. Yeah. And and the thing about him, as you know, uh, PJ, like there was no any charity, of, there was no small or big. Everyone, he was there. He was doing this. He was and if the post, he made sure that uh, everybody was looked after. And um, you know, he was an artist. Like he, his music was just incredible. Like and uh, mm. he had everything, you know, I, I, and he knew how exactly when to play and what to play. Yeah, I used to, I used to play with me on, on Patrick's day, and uh, and uh, he'd come in and try to do with him. It's kind of like the, the bouncer in case nothing happened around <laughs> around Ted. But uh, for inside two minutes, he'd have the players rocking, and and uh, nobody wanted to leave. Or uh, you know, he was just had an incredible presence, and uh, you know, he'd be. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how we'll manage without him, and uh, a lot of people might be saying. I know, uh, I know that he he was trying to retire from the actual DJing scene, but he he always said, "I'll, I'll keep doing Larry's. I'll keep doing Larry's." And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it would have been sort of the ultimate, wouldn't it? When we can go back out, it would have been so great to have him there in your place. Ah, look, he loved him there, like, and uh, you know, as I said, the minute he entered the door, uh, he, he was just uh, everybody was over to him and chatting to him, and he yeah. knew them by names, and you know, big thing about anything in life, like he had massive PR, like he was able to talk to people, communicate with people, oh, yeah. and and what, what I used to love about him then at the end of the night, you know, uh, and you uh, said, how does I say, Ted, you're only fair, like you 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 fail to get one person up to dance, you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, we were only having the slag. But he's just his hearty laughs was just. Uh, nice. ah, he was great. He was great. You know the the, the crack talk about his golf trips. He and and how he was going to win this big golf tournament. And you know he was just brilliant. Like, he was uh, a one of a kind, really. He was Larry, and, and and thank you very much for being with us today. As we as we pay him a, a small tribute, and indeed it was. Well, he always said it to me. The last time I met Ted was last August. I met him at a lovely event in. Carrigaline, lovely socially distanced events in Carrigaline with Anthony Megan and the Love Bugs Band. And I met Ted there and, and he was saying he'd packed it in except for Larry's. He would keep Larry's going. He loved Larry Tompkins. Susan says, listening here, I'm from Newcastle West. I went to school with Sheila. I remember Ted at the disco in the DJ booth and Sheila staring up at him. And God help you if you try to get past her. Such a lovely family. Our condolences to, Li- to Lily, to her dad, Ted. Uh, who passed away from all her friends at Mary McCarthy and Mary McCarthy School of Irish Dancing. Yeah, uh, Lots of messages coming in about him. Um, I will miss him. Fergal will miss him uh, very much because we, we both knew him really well over the last uh, 20, 30 years. He got stuff done and he always expected you to do your stuff. And if you did your stuff, uh, he would keep giving you work. And he was just, ah, he was great. He was great. And we will miss him terribly. And I want to... I had thought about playing out with um, with Body Rock, but I did that earlier on because Andrew Carroll, who was one of the DJs around town, and Andrew's launching his own new 80s brand very, very soon and will be doing a big charity launch. Andrew put a song up on Facebook this morning and I thought, yes, 
if any song sums up uh, Ted Dunn, it's this one. And from all the DJs, from all the bands, from all the people that he worked with, whose lives he touched, the entertainers he worked with, the managers, the venue owners, uh, we say to Ted today, thank you for the entertainment and thank you for the music. The programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll see you tomorrow, just after nine. Ted, farewell, my friend, and thank you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.